Hope y'all are doing well and staying warm as the sacred fire of liberty kindles ever higher, warmer, hotter, brighter. Uh, Jonathan E. Moore's here for the finale of 2023, the Sacred Fire of Liberty edition, as we're ramping up the campaign into the United States Senate in Virginia. There's some things you can do uh, this very week, so we'll let you know about that, um, among other news stories that you'll want to hear about. Uh, Also, in Hour 2, we have uh, Dr. Joan Eiflin, first time on the Robert Scabell Show. She's terrific. She's going to help you with, if you're still suffering with any, what we call, processed food addiction. And if you didn't realize processed food is filled with junk that can addict you, Dr. Jones is going to be amazing. She was also there in Columbia at the uh, the healing retreat. And we met her for the first time. And she's absolutely terrific. You're going to love her. She's a PhD. And uh, let's see. Well, there's lots of other things we're going to cover here. Remember, this Saturday, the 30th of December, the last AMA, Zoom AMA of the year for our Patreon supporters. We got a lot of special guests lined up. You want to be part of that? Check it out at robertscabell.com and let's get this healing party started right about now. The Robert Scott the Bell Robert Show. Scott Bell Show. The voice of health, freedom, and liberty, the Robert Scott Bell Show. First up, I want to welcome all our new viewers on TV. That's right, Q Streaming. Uh, we have our own channel, the Robert Scott Bell Show channel on Q Streaming. Channel 2495 is now added to the number of outlets that uh, are not censoring this message of health, freedom, and healing liberty. You go to RSB Show 1, the number one, at uh, dot myqstreaming.com. It's up on the screen if you're watching, or you can click on the banner at robertscottbell.com. You can sign up. $59.99 a month. You get every channel you would ever imagine, even pay-per-view is included. It's crazy, the deal. It's the best. And you can use it as a fundraiser for your churches because there are lots of church channels as well as the Robert Scabell Show. This is the healing ministry, non-denominational. All of you are welcome. Thank you for being here. We're going to kick it into gear, of course, with our Sacred Fire of uh, Liberty weekly event we do with Jonathan Emord. He's running for the United States Senate Virginia. You could check out emord4va.com, emord4va.com and see what's going on in addition to the news stories I want to cover with Jonathan. Uh, but again, final one of the calendar year 2023. Jonathan, uh, I'm excited about the prospects. They're looking stronger and better than ever. And I want to say thank you right now to all y'all that have supported Jonathan Emord and continue to do so and are going to do even more in this coming new year. So Jonathan, thank you as well, my brother. Yeah, you bet, Robert. I'm so appreciative of you and thank you so much for everything you've done for the campaign and for me, just my family and everything. I, I'm I'm just so grateful for you, Robert. So among the things that I'm very grateful for in 2023 and actually for decades now is good old RSB, who is about as loyal and as wonderful a champion for liberty as you could possibly imagine. So yeah, we're coming up on the uh, start January 2nd of our petition drive to get me on the ballot. So everybody in Virginia who wants to volunteer to help us get on the ballot by getting petition signatures, please send me an email. You can do it through the website or better yet, send it directly to me at jemord at emord.com. And uh, I will get you to connect it to Ann Parker, our petition uh, trainer, and she will train you quickly on how to do the petitions, but we have hundreds of volunteers across the state. Uh, I'm very blessed with that strong grassroots uh, program. We're trying to raise revenue now to support this massive army of volunteers. 
And uh, we've raised, we, we set a goal of $25,000, which is what we estimate it will cost to help pay people for gas and for mm -hmm. lodging. Uh, and um, we've raised 17 grand of that in, in already the days. So, all right. Well, hey, let's get uh, Jonathan's uh, campaign over the top. Only eight more grand today or yeah. this week before the end of the calendar year to get that supported. And uh, if you're in Virginia and if you want to volunteer to help get signatures, or if you haven't signed yet, you're in Virginia, uh, that's specific to Virginia. But as I mentioned before, many times, Jonathan being in the United States Senate will benefit all of us. All of us, the impact he can have in the U.S. Senate for those that are already constitutionally oriented and those on the fence that have a little bit, you know, lacking the courage of their convictions if they have them. Having Jonathan's presence there will strengthen them in their desire for more freedom. And speaking of that, and by the way, you can go to emord4va.com to, to uh, donate. Speaking of of this this kind of you know movement into you know people say, well, how can you're running as a Republican. I know you're a constitutional guy, a, you know, a liberty guy, and a libertarian at heart too. How can you get the Democrats in Northern Virginia in the in the in the election? And I'm thinking I don't think it's going to be a problem. Biden's losing Democrats by the boatload, as is Tim Kaine, because yeah. of their border lack of enforcement policies. Uh, look, it's all over the place, Robert. Uh, they're losing people in droves, uh, and really, people don't realize this, and the press isn't covering it. But the fact of the matter is, we're seeing a large shift in Virginia. You know, we got Governor Yunkin elected, which was indicative of that shift. But it's gotten so much stronger, the shift to Republican side from Democrats and independents. The reason is that no one can defend Biden. He's an absolute disaster. And the only people defending him are these career politicians who are on the Democrat side, like Tim Kaine. And Kaine is all in for the Soros agenda, open borders, allowing drugs in here with impunity. We got about six people die a day in Virginia from fentanyl overdose. And then also, I mean, all this stuff, inflation, he's backed every bill that is a trillion plus spending bill. He is all for this woke agenda in the schools and the military. He's been against fossil fuels. So he's basically destroying the infrastructure of the United States with his windmills and his, his uh, solar panels. I mean, yes. every part of the Biden agenda that has driven this country down, Tim Kaine has fully supported. So it's time for a change. People are getting it. And so that's why we have so many grassroots volunteers. And that's really why I think we're going to win in spades. And mm -hmm. Donald Trump, I mean, I think you're going to see Virginia actually flip from what it was in 2020. You're going to see in 2024 uh, that Donald Trump will win Virginia. People, again, the pundits say, no, it's securely Democrat. No way. I mean, I'm on the ground. I'm interacting yeah. with people all over the state. Most people in Virginia are so fed up. They're worried about whether or not they're going to be able to afford gas, whether or not they're going to be able to afford food, yeah. whether or not their kids are going to be led to believe their genders are fluid and indoctrinated with communist ideology, and whether or not transitioning is going to be something that becomes a regular part of the academic environment in Virginia, mm -hmm. and whether or not sex trafficking and crime is going to be allowed to just blossom because of these Soros-backed prosecutors. Yeah. I mean, Every, everywhere you look, there's a disaster. And so Biden and Kane are doing nothing to stop this and our career people, politicians who don't care about yeah. anybody but themselves. Jonathan, the, you mentioned a dangerous drug called fentanyl. 
coming in over the southern border. I mean, there's a no, a little grains of this stuff can kill cities. I mean, it's like it's ridiculous how potent this thing is, and it's coming in, and who knows when it could be unleashed. Now, there's another aspect to the drug war, if we can call it that, and that is the war of on the 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 FDA is declared on the American people by providing only access to drugs and eliminating any competition to those medications that could be very helpful and viable, as we all know in this audience, including you, Jonathan, your wife. We know the potency and the ability of dietary supplements that are not really killing people. (laughs) So I think about that as another aspect of the drugs issue, right? Relying only on pharmaceuticals versus, hey, a fresh free market approach. It's corrupt from the start, Robert. I mean, you have a system with the FDA and the Food, Drug, and Cosmetic Act where drug company sponsors test their own drugs for safety and efficacy. Absolute conflict of interest, enabling them to really cheat massively, which has become commonplace. And we don't have independent testing. We don't have a scrutiny of the drugs that can enable us to protect the American public. And so what happens is the drug companies are calling the show. They run the FDA. And the FDA proved that in spades during the COVID period. They have proven that despite the lack of efficacy and safety of the COVID vaccine, that they went all in for it. They promoted the false propaganda of safe and efficacious and also hid from the American public the adverse events and hid from the American public the significant harms caused to youth and and joined with CDC in pushing this whole agenda to force uh, kids in school to be vaccinated with this awful vaccine and also joined with the administration, the Biden administration, in trying to make it basically impossible to work in a company with 100 or more employees unless you got vaccinated. Kicked out all these people from the military, from the police departments, fire departments, from hospitals, nurses, and doctors, all because they refused to be vaccinated. It's high time we got legislation that protected our right to dissent from this and also eliminated the mandates, both mask and vaccine, and also enabled those whose rights were violated by being pushed out of the military, police, and fire, and hospitals to get their jobs back, to get the pay that they were denied, and to Mm -hmm. get the promotions they otherwise would have had in order for the federal funding to these institutions to continue. It ought to be a condition preceding. As you and I both know, the solution to this problem is free enterprise, open marketplace of ideas, allowing alternative information to reach the public. We're big boys and girls. We can decide for ourselves what's in our own family's best interest. Mm -hmm. As long as we're well enough informed, we need a free speech environment. We've had nothing but censorship. Nothing but censorship. And the doctors themselves found this out under COVID. And that's why I think they are in favor overall in freedom because their freedom is on the line as well. And we support their freedom to innovate and also to decide to work with holistically inclined doctors, homeopaths, naturopaths as well, to see nurses work more holistically. I think now it's become from within that industry that was captured and is captured by the pharmaceutical industry, there is a longing for the freedom to practice in a way that is actually beneficial to patients. So I don't think this is an anti-doctor perspective at all. It's one that supports them and all doctors. Well, you know, Robert, you and I have been censored over and over again, merely for, articu- for articulating a science-based criticism of the vaccine and of the censorship regime and of Hunter Biden's laptop information and so on. I mean, they have tried vigorously to keep that information out, censoring all sorts of people who uh, articulate criticisms of the government. 
The very purpose of the First Amendment in part was to end seditious libel laws, that is laws that are designed to censor criticism of government. It's the foremost function of the First Amendment to have a checking value on those who are in government and on their measures so that the people remain sovereign. If you shut everybody up who's criticizing government, you're gonna have a communist state in no, no time. That's what they're trying to do. So we have got to get our First Amendment rights back. For sure. And and what is what role does, you know, agencies at, in the government, we know the FDA plays a huge role in trying to censor. The FTC has even more bite in terms of their ability to find and frighten people who would dare to, to, to express even scientifically validated information about their products. What role do those play and what can you do as a member of the U.S. Senate to push back on the oligarchy that hasn't been done before? Well, I wrote a bill for Ron Paul called the Congressional Responsibility and Accountability Act. And what that would do is make it impossible for any uh, bureaucrat, for any bureaucratic agency to, uh, to enforce any proposed regulation. In other words, every proposed regulation would have to be submitted to Congress and passed into laws as required under Article One, Section One of the Constitution before any agency could enforce it. And what, what that will do is basically neuter the administrative state. They will have to go to Congress. They will no longer be an unelected bunch of, of totalitarian tyrants who are telling us all what to do. Instead, they'll have to go to Congress and they'll have to get Congress to agree on behalf of the American people to accept any regulation. Not only that, this bill that I wrote would cause every existing regulation to be sunsetted or disappear mm -hmm. within three years of the adoption of the bill unless passed into law by Congress. That's not enough, but it's a big start. The rest of it is getting rid of these agencies. Like the FDA, we can have a private system. Another bill that I've written will enable by statute for private labs under a uh, protection of, of secrecy, basically, to conduct these tests of the efficacy and safety of proposed drugs and make a determination as to their safety and efficacy under a statutory system, not the FDA, but private labs, ones that do not have an interest in protecting the uh, drug companies. In fact, they'd be blinded from knowing which drug company was a sponsor of any particular drug agent. They would just be testing the drug agent for the population that is supposed to be uh, uh, helped by it and they would test its safety and efficacy. This kind of system is what we need. We need to get rid of the federal government. The corruption is massive. Mm -hmm. We need to get rid of this two-tiered system of justice. We need to, to eliminate the departments at justice and at uh, the FBI that are responsible for all this corrupt uh, activity against President Trump and against uh, uh, you know all of those who are affiliated with him on false charges. Well, they can direct their, their, their ire to any of us. If they and they aren't doing look what they should be doing. What they yeah. should be doing is going after people like George Soros, who violates the Hobbs Act, mm -hmm. or, or uh, Alex Soros, who there's reason to believe they violate the Hobbs Act. Why not? Why not do that? Why not investigate them? Uh, they've been kicked out of virtually every country they've been in, but here they've found a haven, and they're dedicated to destroying our country. Yeah. I mean, they're dedicated to an open border situation. That's why the Democrats are doing it. Uh, the primary funding source for the Democrat Party is now the the Soros family and their institutions. And uh, and then open borders, they advocate anti-incarceration prosecutors. They advocate defunding the police. They advocate. And these measures have been passed all across the country. And crime has gone way, way up uh, as a result. We have got to get this stopped before they completely destroy our country. 
Well, that's for sure. And, uh, you know, I look at this article and we, we haven't brought this up yet, but there's an article from the Brownstone Institute. They usually have very well reasoned and well written articles on, on many topics that we, we really like to cover here. And this latest one is related to the FDA. You know, we're talking about the FDA. Are safety reports from COVID mRNA shots due to a lack of FDA ingredient clarity is the question. And this article really, it goes back into the 1800s, like I know we like to do to go to history to find out how we got here. And I've covered subjects like from 1906, the Perf Food and Drug Act. Harvey Wiley, who was the progenitor of the modern FDA, of course, at a time initially it was intent, I think good intent and purposes, like let's not allow adulterated poison toxic food, for instance, or drugs that are not uh, legitimate or real or it could only harm you. Yet we've seen the capturing of the agency, the FDA, which is, I think, the nature of government, is it not? The more you centralize power, the easier it is to be, let's say, corrupted, purchased, as opposed to having to go to every state and every municipality to buy everything, right? Let's centralize. I think big business like multinationals love centralized bureaucracies and regulating agencies because they wipe out competition from mom and pops out there that are innovating. Uh, it's it's the old story of industry capture. Uh, the FDA is a classic example of that, where the very industry it's supposed to regulate actually controls the agency and determines the outcome of regulatory reviews I mean, the corruption is so grotesque and profound at the FDA. I, I wrote my book, uh, The Rise of Tyranny, which gives multiple examples of that corruption. Basically, you've got FDA even approving drugs that don't even have a scientific basis for them. Ketek, for example, allegedly a super antibiotic, uh, was approved by FDA, even though the FBI uncovered that the clinical trials allegedly done were not even done, were made up. And even with that knowledge, the FDA commissioner approved it into the market. So you see just how corrupt this agency is. Dr. David Graham, now over a decade ago, famously testified before Charles Grassley's finance committee, where he explained that the American public was virtually defenseless and that the FDA was totally a captive of the largest drug companies in the world. It's absolutely incredible. You, you can't write fiction. To, to meet what the reality is of the capturing of the agencies and the nefarious schemes and plots that are afoot and have been for, you know, a hundred plus years. Part of your, you know, your book about the authoritarians goes into that, the rise of progressivism, because it really had an intent and purpose to centralize the power structure of the United States, quite in opposition to our founders and to establish a limited central, you know, kind of government with the powers really relegated to the states and the people away from that. Let's have one size fits all governing. So this is something that we are I guess, paying the piper right now. And, you know, as we've talked the last couple of years in particular, since Biden became president, the risk we have to our very existence as a nation is, you know, hanging by a thread. You know, it used to be that Democrats, even Democrats who believed in socialism, but never said the word publicly, used to be that Democrats would at least communicate to the public that they were addressing the issues that were of most concern to the people. Now we have a, a government that is so arrogant it's comprised of people who think that they're entitled to be in power. And so you have the president of the United States, Chuck Schumer, uh, Tim Kaine, all these leaders of the Democrat Party refusing to even address open borders. They will not address it. They will not introduce any legislation to fix it. None. They don't even champion that. Why? Because their primary funding source, the Soros family, wants to destroy American nationalism. They describe the United States as the principal impediment to the globalism they seek. They want a world government in an international organization that replaces American domestic sovereignty and rules us under a totalitarian regime. 
And it's insane. But these people like Joe Biden will completely sell out and have the United States for their own personal financial interests. Joe Biden has sold out to enemies of the United States through an influence, influence peddling scheme that dates back to when he was vice president and uh, continued on all the way through his presidency today. And here he is, you know, lying with impunity. Oh, I don't know anything about Hunter's business dealings. Oh, no, no, I don't have any involvement with that. He's so thick involved in it. The evidence is so profound about it. And he had a joint account with Hunter and with Jim Biden in which he received hundreds of millions of dollars. And he used a lot of money out of that account to pay for his mortgages, among a whole bunch of other expenses. So these people are corrupt. I mean, they're not just bad leaders. It's not just ineptitude. Mm -hmm. This is intentional. This is helping the communist Chinese. This is helping the Iranians. This is helping avowed enemies of the United States advance their interests at our expense. We are in trouble in this country. We've got massive amounts of espionage in government, in the private sector, in industry by the Chinese going on day in, day out. Academia, day in, day out. And the administration does virtually nothing to stop it. And Joe Biden is totally complicit and a compromised candidate because there he is in the White House, having been paid all this money by agents of the Communist Party, and he does nothing, nothing at all to fight them. In fact, he even refers to them as a strategic competitor. They're not a competitor, they're an enemy. They wanted to, they, they, they make no bones about it. They want to destroy the United States. And you you regard someone like that as a friend. You call yeah. Xi Jinping your friend, someone who wants to destroy your country. You take money from that person and his agents to pay your debts and How about yourself. Our, our government and agencies operating as if they are communist. Seriously, yeah. they're looking at the American people as the enemy, spying on That's us. Right. You know, it, it's just, you know, from outside well, and inside. And this whole thing, I mean, it's constant. So look, they want to take away uh, your air conditioner. They want to take away your gas stove. They want to take away all sorts of convenience items, allegedly because, well, it's not satisfying the climate change agenda. The climate change agenda in the end is this. You go live in a cave. You get rid of your house. <laughs> You get rid of everything that is made by any plastic or any other material, and you don't even have the right to have a fireplace. You sit there and freeze to death in the wintertime and burn to death in the summertime. That's really what this is about. It's about making man obliterated. Yeah. It's about taking man out of the environment and eliminating him in favor of what? you, you want? Uh, what do you want? You want an environment that has no human beings in it. Do you realize that the greatest enhancements of the environment and, uh, and of animal life on the planet and plant life have been a result of human husbandry, have been a result of human beings actually taking care of these properties in ways that enhance them and then in encourage the growth and life of, of plants and animals on earth. When you extricate man from this, you end up with a rather brutal environment in which things that really could barely exist are eliminated entirely and in which things like carbon dioxide, which are necessary for plants, become less common, and therefore you have fewer plants, which means fewer, fewer animals. animals. Yeah, I mean, exactly. the whole thing is nuts. It's They've amazing. turned reality into something that they condemn, and then they adopt fantasy as reality. Do you think they're sick? Do you think there's any vulnerability among the Democrats, right, or the the, the supporters of the Democrat Party? Like we've talked about, many of them leaving. 
at least temporarily because of the border issue, are any peeling off because of the radical climate agenda, which is, again, another form of totalitarian communist dictatorship where the, let's say, is it the Politburo? Who is the, who are considered the, the elites within it? They live like steak oh, yeah. and champagne and they have private yeah. jets and everybody else lives in a cave, basically. So the climate czar, uh, John Kerry, at the start of the Biden administration, admitted that no matter what the United States did, to reduce carbon emissions, it would have no effect, literally no effect on mm -hmm. global climate. He admitted that at the start. So in other words, we're gonna destroy our entire economy and eliminate, uh, you know, make gas cost $10 a gallon, uh, make all food and other substances dependent upon gas rise in costs so that it's unaffordable for people, make all Americans miserable, dramatically reduce our, our GDP and impoverish the nation, eliminate our national security, do all of these things for this holy grail of climate. When they admit at the start that no matter what we do, it'll have no impact on global climate. The reality is, even if we could control all emissions in the world, it would have no impact on the global climate because the influence of human uh, pollution to the environment is minuscule in the history of mankind in terms of uh, weather we're talking now yeah. you know you and i are, are also i don't want to be lumped into oh we are all for as much pollution as ever no. that's not it at all no that's where they they kind of take our words and twist sure. them you know they do this with every issue they they right. immediately assume that when you take a position other than their extremist position that you're actually in advocating a death to the environment say right. but the reality is we are strongly in favor of protecting the environment doing so through positive law and through free market environmentalism. Let's make it profitable for individuals to innovate in ways that will reduce pollution. Let's not have a, a one-size-fits-all government communist command control economy in which they shut everything down and destroy the human environment in order to allegedly save the animal environment when, by their own admission, by Kerry's own admission, it will not affect one iota the overall climate, which allegedly is their aim. Their aim is ridiculous. If you can't affect it, why are you destroying people's lives to pursue an agenda that allegedly exactly. will result in no benefit? So when we talk about private activity and private action, it is in our best interest to not pollute. It just is. I mean, and and the innovations you talk about incentivizing, uh, you know, efficiency in terms of that, you actually end up in a better situation with a lot less waste when you're doing that. Well, when and, you create those tax incentives, you know, and give individuals who are in the business the freedom to decide how best to reduce the pollution. When mm -hmm. you do that, what, what happens is you have all this innovation. And what this innovation does, these are people who know their own industry best, not some bureaucrat who's trying to say a one size fits all approach for everybody in a certain industry. No, each business person knows best how best to reduce pollution for their industry. They'll come up with their own means. They may collaborate with others on means in similar circumstances, but giving them the freedom to do that and the tax incentive to do it is the right way to go as opposed to a government bureaucratized system. It fails in medicine. It fails in drug approval. It fails in the environment. It fails overall. Show me a communist country in the world where the people are happy, rich, and likely to have the greatest environment. It doesn't exist. You got the worst environment. You got people who are poverty stricken, and everybody's enslaved to the state. 
Do we want that instead of our republic? Yeah. Do we want a country that was founded on premise the governments are instituted among men to protect the rights of the governed to become instead a government that routinely violates the rights of the government? Do we not want a government that was founded on the idea that individuals are sovereign and that the government is their servant to be changed so that individuals are slaves and the government is their master? This is what they want to do. They want to destroy everything that has made America great. And we can't let them do that. We have got to rise up. And this is the pivotal year to do it. 2024 is going to be a pivotal year. We are we will save our republic or we will drastically lose it. Can you imagine another four years of Joe Biden? Can you imagine uh, the disasters that you've seen in the first three years being replicated another five? And this we, idiot, uh, by the time he's done, you talk about plant life doing well. Uh, well, he'll only be plant life because he does not have the chemical electronic activity in his head of a human. Right now, yeah, he's right operating at the level of a house plant and even the house plant. That's an insult to them. It is. All right. Uh, I want to go back into some more history. You know, you wrote the book Authoritarians about the history of progressivism. How does this play out in a uh, view of what we call charity? Because many people in, in you know, the younger generations don't believe charity can work. It doesn't work. It never worked. That's why the government had to take it on. Right. It had to be charitable to do all the things that people were not willing to do. I thought there was a rich history in America, even in the midst of the largest tax burden because of the debt that we have uh, on the planet, uh, that there was a, a lot of uh, uh, support for all kinds of things that were coming, people pulling out of their own pocket to give or give of their time, their money, their energy, their talent to help those in need. And yet we're told that only government can do that and do so efficiently. Come on, really? There's got to be a history there that we've not been taught. Well, what we know from the new, the great society era is that when government picks winners and losers, when government invests in certain categories of people, when it says, for example, we're going to engage in a war on poverty, we're going to dump hundreds of billions of dollars on that. What do they do? Well, the result of that has been massive inflation. And it also has been huge dependency on government where people are not self-sufficient anymore and they look to government and expect government to keep them going. John Stossel, fantastic person, wonderful individual. I was on his uh, television show years ago. Mm -hmm. Fantastic guy, great uh, defender of liberty. Um, and his article there that you're showing. This is, this is the fraud of big government. The fraud of big government is that they can eliminate poverty, that they will make everything that is of need for you provided from each according to his ability to each according to his need, the Marxist doctrine. Why does that fail? It fails because when you take the most productive elements of society and tax them heavily in order to redistribute uh, income to those who are unemployed, what you end up doing is creating a ever larger unemployment environment like California has, and you have an exodus of people either from the jurisdiction who are, who are profitable uh, centers, or from business entirely. Leisure then becomes more profitable for them so that they don't have to finance government choice over their own choice. Well, this is the history of government largesse. It has been an utter failure. But how do you solve these problems? Well, I'll tell you what. First, let's understand something about capitalism. Capitalism is a moral force. How so? Because under capitalism, the person who produces will only succeed if he supplies the needs of most people. 
If you want to be a profitable capitalist, you have to discover something that someone else needs and be able to provide it to them for a price they're willing to pay. And then you can succeed in a competitive environment, but only if you keep innovating and only if you keep satisfying that need as it changes over time. Well, that's a moral force because it is the example of charity. It is the example of caring more about the needs and interests of others than yourself. Whereas welfare is wholly about caring about my own self, my own needs, not serving others. If you make a society of dependence, they no longer become servicers of others' needs. Mm -hmm. and so then you increasingly cause those that do service others' needs to become less able to do it because they have to pay for everybody who's unwilling to do it. And the economy turns upside down. And that's why it always fails in communism. Not only that, when you allow charity rather than taxation uh, and redistribution of income to flourish, you allow charity to flourish, then what you do is when you have tax incentives for charity, when, for example, I mean, we could open this door massively. So you could have huge tax reductions for corporations and for individuals that would provide health care that would subsidize the healthcare costs of individuals, provide emergency care for individuals and other forms of care mm -hmm. for people who are not able to finance it themselves. And this system is a system that enables a person to dedicate resources to avoid uh, taxation for specifically the needs of specific individuals. How does that differ from bureaucracy? Bureaucracy just sets a standard. And if you need to get care, you have to go into the government, you have to meet that standard. Then when you've met that standard, you get a one size fits all package. And then that's what you have to live by, whether it works for you or not. Charity, on the other hand, looks at each person in a manner similar to Christ, looks at each person's needs. Remember they say Christ knows you individually. The same thing is true when people act essentially as the hands of Christ. When they are serving people individually with charity, they are acting in a Christ-like manner because they're trying to take care of the individual. Mm -hmm. Now, not only that, charities do something else that's remarkable. They encourage self-sufficiency. It's the very absence that the Democrats criticize charity because they say it's not permanent, right? Permanent, but well, we don't want people permanently on welfare. Yeah. We don't want an army of permanent dependents. What we want to do is encourage people to be self-sufficient. Mm -hmm. And then once they're self-sufficient, what we really want to do is encourage them to serve other people. So what we are, what, what charity does is that very thing. By me going to you and helping you when you're down on your luck and being benefited by tax benefits and by the absence of regulatory constraints, I can go in and I can help you just as you need it. And if I help you, ultimately, I don't want to have to turn you into dependent of me. What I'm doing is helping you get on your feet. Yeah. I'm helping you with the understanding that you're going to become a person like me one day and you're going to help other people. That's the rule in charity. That's the rule in Christian charities. Yeah. That's the rule in private charities that are not Christian. All of them are working to improve the person's life to make himself sufficient. Government, on the other hand, has another view. You meet a criteria of dependency, and then you get money. Yeah, That's it. They don't tell you how to spend it. They don't tell you what's in your own best interest. 
They don't enable you think to about how much, how, much fraud, how much fraud was involved in charity during artificial COVID issues. Oh, right? Insane. You want to talk about that's always the case. Government yeah. is always corrupt. Government is massively corrupt when it redistributes income for two reasons. It does it based on political incentives. So if you're not in the politically preferred group, even if you're in need, you get cut yeah, out. Dude, yeah, yeah. But if you, if you, if even when government functions in providing welfare, it's still corrupt because why? Because the vast majority of the money allocated actually goes for the administration of the programs. A lot of these programs never reach you. How many times have you heard and how many times have you seen people get elected to office like Joe Biden? They've spent trillions on the climate change agenda. Has that benefited you? at all. Can you cite a single specific instance where that has materially improved your lot rather than the reality, which is you now have about $13,000 less spending power than at the start of the Biden administration because of all the inflation that mm -hmm. has happened as a result of these massive expenditures. You're not helped by them. You are hurt by them. You pay for them, not only be based on the tax base, but based on inflation. And what do we got? We got a whole bunch of people who are getting food stamps in the United States. We have an army of illegal aliens getting welfare and food stamps in the United States. Yeah, if, we you, have want, if you want to travel on a real budget, all you need to do is escape America and sneak in through the southern border and claim to be an illegal alien. They will give you money. They will give they'll you plane tickets. They'll give you cash. They'll, they'll sign you up like, for food stamps, sign you up for, for uh, welfare, sign you up for Medicaid sign you up. They'll, they'll, they'll actually get an NGO to pay for your transportation anywhere you want to go in the United States. You get a phone of indefinite life that you can call anywhere in the world. Uh, you can very easily remove the tracking devices in the phone, throw it out, and the phone still works. <laughs> How many native-born Americans get that? Huh? Do you get that kind of charity from government? I don't think so. It's not charity. It's welfare. And it destroys And then it's any surprise then when they survey illegal populations at random, they survey and they find out that something like 60% of them are believe they will be on welfare indefinitely. Forever, yeah. Now, uh, Michael Bolden, our buddy from the 10th Amendment Center in the chat room, placed this uh, quote from Benjamin Franklin about 1766. I think the best way of doing good to the poor is not making them easy in poverty, but leading or driving them out of it. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, that's what life's about. Uh, what we have to come back to is what used to be called the Protestant ethic. It actually was an American ethic. The idea that you had to contribute to society to determine your own sense of self-worth. Mm -hmm. People used to be embarrassed to get welfare. They were embarrassed because they were violating this basic ethic of service. They were becoming dependent. And they, that, what that meant was other people who were productive were paying for them. Now, look, that doesn't mean that people won't be down on their luck or suffer injuries that make it impossible for them to work. And we all want to care for people who are in dire straits and have situations like that. But when you're able-bodied and you could work and you just decide, well, I don't want to work at an entry-level job because I can get welfare actually a little more than I could get uh, working at an entry-level job, that's not a society we want. We don't want able-bodied people who can serve other people and help uh, to be on their back or in their, on their couch uh, with welfare and food stamps and living a life of dependency. We need to be a country of excellence, a country of achievers, a country of people, no matter what their condition, who are striving to do better. Uh, and, you know, the sad thing about this is 
the depression this causes. When you are right. living in an existence that is totally self-centered and dependent, this, as study after study shows, I mean, it ends up with broken households. It ends up with people who are dependent, ends up with higher levels of drug. It destroys the human spirit to live yeah, in that all, all sorts of addictions and things. It, yeah, it destroys the human spirit. It really does. Jonathan, can you speak to the young people that don't know history, and there are a lot of them, that really are inclined to believe in things like socialism and communism as a better way because they see inequity everywhere, right? They perceive it, and there's reality to perception too. And speak as well to what we would argue in freedom or capitalism being a benefit, yet they see what we also will acknowledge is crony capitalism, right? Not real free markets that exist. And, and make it. can you make a distinction for them to see through that so they can see we are not naive about where capitalism has gone wrong when it has abandoned freedom and become a managed kind of uh, uh, economy that is not really a free market. So the greatest opportunity for each individual to achieve their highest potential is in a society in which the people are sovereign politically and where their rights are protected from government and where a market is open, free, and prosperous where they can rise up from one level to another based on their achievements, based on their hard work, based on their contribution. That is the society created in a republic with a free enterprise economy. Contrast that with the situation in socialism. What socialism does is have government either regulate and thereby control the means of production and have one monopoly, the monopoly of the state, or a situation where they own all means of production called communism, in which case they have total control over your life. The problem with this is, is one of monopoly. When you have a monopoly of, of force, which is government, and you combine that with a monopoly of ownership of the means of production, which is to own the whole economy by government, then your whole life is one of dependency on government, but more importantly, it is one of slavery to the government. Mm -hmm. The political choice of the government becomes the economic direction of the government, becomes the direction of your life. So if you don't like slavery, if you don't like the epic in American history where one owner or person owned another individual and enslaved them, then you should absolutely abhor socialism because socialism is the grossest form of slavery. It's slavery in a monopoly where there's only one slave owner and only one total controller who has the total power mm -hmm. of the monopoly of the police plus total control over every opportunity you would have. Contrast that with a dynamic environment. Now, dynamic competitive environment. Now, what happens with government over time, even in a republic? What happens is that government is evil, and individuals who get into government have to be checked by critical examination of them and by a, 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 an activist and vibrant public, or else what happens? What happens is something called the administrative state, which is a, a, a segue to socialism and communism. How so? The administrative state is really created when you look at our history based on this industry capture model I've been talking about. You pretend to satisfy a public interest need, quote unquote, there is no such thing as a public interest. There are only private interests. Public interest is a euphemism really for politically desired control. You have a, a public interest need allegedly, 
And you satisfy that need by creating an agency that will regulate all industry within that sector. And what the regulations end up doing is benefiting industry leaders. Why? Because industry leaders invariably gain control over these uh, agencies and ensure that the regulations become barriers to market entry that block competition for them. This has happened with the FTC. This has happened with the FCC. This has happened with the SEC. This has happened with the Occupational Safety and Health Administration, the EPA. And you either end up with an ideologically driven far leftist totalitarian state through the administrative state, or in a Republican rhino type of environment, you end up with a uh, industry controlled regulatory state. Either way, it destroys a free market. What we have got to get back to is a free market of opportunity. And we create that by getting rid of the regulatory state and impediments on free market uh, uh, capitalism. And by getting rid of the deep state, the whole administrative state's political control over the marketplace and rely instead on an open free market environment. And we use positive law to stop things that hurt people and other individuals in the environment. We use positive law. What does that mean? Not a, an administrative state, but a law that says thou shalt not because underlying it is the reality that allowing that will cause harm to other individuals. So that's the way we create an environment that maximizes freedom. Positive law gives you an absolute clear picture, regardless of where you are in the regulatory environment, excuse me, in the marketplace, of what the law is. Contrast that with a regulatory environment. Did you know that the FDA prohibits you if you sell prune juice to put on the label of your prune juice a bottle that prune juice relieves chronic constipation? Mm -hmm. Would you ever think that that was the law in the United States? You believe that there's a First Amendment, right? But do you know the reality is if you put that statement on your prune juice that you sell, you've just committed a crime. You can be arrested. You can have you can go to jail for 20 more years or more. You can have all your products seized. You can be run out of business by the government. Did you know that? Why is that? Why is it that somebody who sells prune juice and just puts on the label that it treats chronic constipation is treated like they've committed a capital offense? Why? Because the powers that be do not want anyone except the drug companies that have the inside control over the agency to be able to make any claim of therapeutic effect. Why? Because if the public comes to understand that nutrients and natural ingredients can actually determine health outcomes, they will be less willing to trust drugs as mm -hmm. the sole source of the solution to exactly. any problem. Yeah. So well. if you want to make drugs the, the end-all be-all, and that's because you make drugs, then you do not want the public to understand fundamentally that there are things other than drugs like fish oil, like uh, um, B6, B12, and folic acid and coronary heart disease, like folic acid reducing neural tube defect bursts. You don't want any of that information out there because if people get that, then they're going to be less predisposed to going to the doctor and saying to the doctor, gee, I've got this problem. Can you help me? And all the doctor does what? The doctor's part of the system, the, the allopathic doctor. He just looks up and determines what is the uh, recommended treatment by the drug industry for a specific ailment and prescribes mm -hmm. the drug, right? 
Well, that's not your only answer. No, it's a depressing answer if it is your only answer and a, and a very dangerous one. If we found the very regulated medical system is the third, at least third leading cause of death in America, but it's highly regulated. It's got a monopoly status. It's exalted above all others. And I think it violates the establishment clause because it's turned into a religion. You know, the church of, I call it pharmaceutical mysticism. It's not that I want to ban it. I just want it to be available as a free option. Yes, among many. Right. We just want full information supplied to people. You know, if in, in, in an environment like the law would be, if I were uh, in the position to make the law, and I hope to be in that position soon, you would break down all these barriers so that if you went to the grocery store, you would not only see that there's an orange there, but you would also have all this information about the vitamin C and phytochemicals in oranges and how they reduce the risk of cancer and all sorts of other diseases. Mm -hmm. And you'd be able to compare that information with information about broccoli over here. Wow, I didn't know that about broccoli. I didn't know that there are these things in broccoli that are phytochemicals that actually have all these beneficial impacts upon reducing inflammation in my body and other things. Holy cow, maybe I'll have broccoli tonight. I mean, instead of this whole idea that, you know, there's really no difference between a bag of potato chips over here and um, broccolini over here. Well, actually, there is. And the more information people have, the better choices they make. Not only that, companies start redesigning their, their uh, uh, processed foods to mm -hmm. be less deleterious and right. more health enhancing because they realize that the, the truth is out. And so, you know, having certain things in their foods that they had in there that were perhaps flavor enhancing, but actually cause atherosclerosis or whatever, they would change that because they'd start to realize, wow, consumers are going to shift. Yeah. There's now competition over health enhancing ingredients. Yeah. Well, FDA stands four square against this through its regulations. Mm -hmm. And, our, and we've got to break them down. Our good friend Jeffrey Smith showed this was possible despite all of the attempts to reveal, you know, genetically engineered ingredients. And, you know, those that captured the government agencies at the federal and state level blocked it. But because of the education campaign and people found out this wasn't good for them, they made decisions to buy things that weren't genetically engineered. And then suddenly the shine on GMOs was off. And many of these big companies using them began to face it out. Well, and it wasn't because the FDA that. said to. A lot of people don't know this about me, but I wrote a bill that was actually passed in Maine to require the GMOs be laid, put on I remember, the label. Yeah. Remember that? And, yeah. I, and I actually went to Maine. I testified in favor of that bill. And I was quite surprised to see that actually passed the, the Maine legislature. And then guess what happened? Congress passed a law to preempt the states. Isn't that amazing? They could not do what I had, uh, you know, what we accomplished I remember the, 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 in Maine. We nicknamed it the Dark Act, the denying Americans the right to know. Yeah. Right, and you know who you know who was the principal promoter of that? Unfortunately, Pompeo. Really? Yeah. Isn't that interesting? Yeah, that's why. I yeah, say and it was a disaster, and it really did hurt a lot of people because look, you take we had won the thing, we were going to have all the labels revealing what was GMO ingredient in foods. It would have created a major movement to get GMOs out of foods. Mm -hmm. And they came in, Big Pharma and everybody else came in, mainly the big food companies. Yeah. They came into Congress and they said, you've got to preempt this. And they got this massive bill passed, which then preempted state laws so that you could no longer have state laws requiring that mm -hmm. late. 
it was a, it was really one of the Jonathan. You know, you you have your fingerprints over all these good things, including the defeat of the FDA eight times, and you know one of those issues, you know, that was uh, adjudicated, and you won was about claims related to a humble trace element known as selenium. And I, think about if the FDA actually acknowledged the, the court case and abided by it, how many millions of lives could have been saved in that time? Because selenium, that humble trace element, is one of the most powerful anti-cancer minerals on planet Earth. Yeah, that was, uh, I think that was um, Longevity. It was the predecessor, American Longevity, that pursued that with me. And it was a massive victory for people because selenium is really a remarkable antioxidant and and is incredible in that it has all these beneficial effects and is really indispensable to good health. And yet selenium is lacking in our diets primarily all over the world, but pre, uh, in the United States too. Mm -hmm. So supplementing with selenium is a really important thing to do. And uh, you know we won that case. We also won the case on folic acid reducing neural tube defect versus folic acid in supplement form. We also won the case about B6, B12, and folic acid, reducing the risk of coronary heart disease, and chromium picolinate, reducing insulin resistance, and a whole host of others. I mean, we, we had fiber and colorectal cancer risk reduction, antioxidant vitamins and cancer risk reduction. Over and over again, some 32 different uh, well-backed scientific claims, we won one way or another by fighting the FDA over them over the course of over a decade of, of, of strenuous litigation activity on the First Amendment, on First Amendment grounds. So yeah, it is possible to beat the deep state, but the sad reality, as I mentioned in my book, is that the FDA, the assistant chief counsel of the FDA told me personally on the phone after I won the landmark Pearson versus Shalala case, he said, congratulations, Jonathan, for that win. But now let me tell you something. The FDA will never ever, ever implement the court's constitutional mandate. In other words, he was telling me that the FDA was above the law. And I said, you can't do that. You're, you're an attorney. You've sworn an oath to uphold the Constitution. You can't be party to that. And neither can the agency do that uh, lawfully. And he said, you don't understand the power in Washington, Jonathan. It's not in Congress. It's not in the courts. It's with the FDA. If the FDA wants something, it'll get it. If you achieve a victory, it doesn't matter because the FDA will do what it wants when it wants, and there's virtually nothing that anyone can do to stop it. And that's the kind of hubris arrogance that exists in these agencies. They are a direct threat to our survival. You know, it's DHS implementing the open border policy. It's Alejandro Mayorkas doing this. He believes in Alex Soros's and George Soros's open society program, which means no borders, which means that we lose our nationalism, which means there's all these people in the United States, not one of which has been asked to renounce their citizenship in a foreign country, to pledge allegiance to the United States, to ensure that they will fight for our country and our freedoms. These people can be direct foreign agents. They can be advocates of communism and destruction of our whole country, like the Muslim Brotherhood, totalitarianism on a theocratic basis. Whatever it is, they are allowed in here and they are allowed to do their mischief with no limitation by this administration. We cannot survive this. Enemies of the United States now are pouring into this country, agents of their countries, because we have an open border situation with no control. We have no defense at the border, none. We have no defense. Anyone who wants to come into this country, regardless of what their intents are, can come in. 
Well, Jonathan, this is another reason among many that I want to see you in the United States Senate to displace and replace Tim Kaine, who's the senator there now in Virginia. And we've got the election upcoming, the primaries coming up. And for those of you in Virginia or know anybody in Virginia, please uh, let them know about Jonathan Emord, emord4va.com, as well as uh, help sign up, you know, petition to get everywhere in every county there that they've got to do as well. And uh, we're very close to the uh, 25,000 uh, level to help support that effort. So if you'd like to donate, I'd encourage you. And I know many of you have already. If you've got room to do more right here at the end of the year, please do go to emord4va.com. And I know, and Jonathan, you know, it's not about one man or one woman going in, but each of us has a sphere of influence and a direct connection, I believe, to the source that gave us life. And if you are living in that integrity, you can have a tremendous impact on those around you by uplifting them by your the courage of your convictions, the willingness to stand and not sell out to the highest bidder, which has been, you know, basically uh, your life. You know, I've known yeah, it for I mean, every single case that I took on against the government, every single one, I was told there was no way you can win. I was told that by the, the trade press, by other lawyers, they wrote about this, they'd call me on the phone, they say, you're a fool, there's no way you can possibly win. And what do we do? We won. And the reason why we won is the power of persuasion. Never underestimate the power of an argument, the power mm -hmm. of persuasion. Never underestimate, in the end, the power of our founding principles. And that if they are appropriately articulated and defended and you take the, the offense to argue against the enemies of the founders, you end up with a situation that is very strong. Why? Because in the end, even the most radical Democrat is at, at a loss when you say, if I take away your rights, you, the complaining party who condemns everything here, I take away your rights to speak and I impose a limitation on your freedom such that you may not do anything other than that which I say is right, because let's say I'm dictator for a day rather than you. Mm -hmm. Do you like that? Do you want to live like that? It's only because they arrogantly assume that they're going to dictate to the rest of us that they're comfortable with the idea of taking away yeah, freedom. Reverse that on them and see how well they're going to like that. And Jonathan, that's why you're going to win in 2024. And folks, uh, support Jonathan E. Mort as I do, as uh, many of you are doing, and thank you for that support. And Jonathan, what another? it's been another great year despite censorship of uh, the sacred fire of liberty. I'm just so blessed that we get to go on this journey together and uh, share our passion for these founding principles in America, the goodness that is America. I recognize we haven't always lived up to them, and a lot of people are not, but that doesn't mean I'm going to stop trying and stop it's helping great. others with you too. Robert, you're great. Don is great. The program is great. It's been a pleasure. I, how long have we been doing this, Robert? I, it's It's been at least two decades. Yeah, I mean, we've been regularly having you on for uh, solidly since the Sacred Fire of Liberty event you hosted when you told me you were going to have to stop your radio show. And, and then it was like on all the time. Uh, but yeah, long before that, too, you were appearing uh, semi-regularly as a constitutional expert and talking about these cases, the freedom to heal, the freedom to know about what's in the food, all of that. So uh, I haven't tired of it, not one bit. <laughs> You're great, Robert. It's been a real pleasurable ride every step of the way. What an honor. So and onward and upward, Robert Scott Bell for 2024. It's going to be a magnificent year, Robert. 
and we'll be buddies for the rest of our lives, but uh, probably even beyond then, Robert. Yes, I'll you're right. 20, 25 years of broadcast healing begins in 2024, a quarter century of doing this in radio and, and now on media. And Jonathan's been all right, and we're going to continue this. Uh, Health, Freedom, Healing, Liberty 2024. Jonathan E. Mord for U.S. Senate, emord4va.com. Thanks, brother. You bet. Take care, Robert. All right. Next hour, we're going to talk about the addiction to these synthetic chemicals, the synthetic chemistry of processed foods. A uh, doctor I met at the uh, healing retreat in Colombia in Medellin, uh, Dr. Joan Eifland, she's amazing. I can't wait to share her with you, and she can share what she knows with you, and you can go further. So that and a whole lot more coming up after this brief top-of-the-hour news break, or is it an education break? You guys decide. But I do know that the power to heal is yours. Opening this hour, I'm going to discuss an article at uh, it's a Midwestern doctor. It's one of the substacks, a good one on medical gaslighting. Uh, it's very detailed. I'll just get a little uh, superficial overview of it for you. And if you want to dig deeper into it, uh, we'll do that. And then uh, first time on the Robert Bell show, Dr. Joan Eifland, who I met at the uh, Mountains of Hope Healing Retreat in Columbia. And she's terrific. She's wonderful. She got some stories to tell from that event as well. I might query her on, in addition to her knowledge, which is extensive, on addiction to processed foods. This is going to be one you're going to want to share with a lot of people this hour. So stand by for that and a whole lot more. Also, uh, yesterday, uh, I got a text from Bobri Oren, who has the folium products that have helped my mother to make it through another year strong and uh, plan to see her dance on her birthday, January 29th. It'll turn 90. And these are Folium products, foliumpx.com. And uh, it's the Folium Original, Folium, you know, Folium Relax. It's a three-pronged approach. And he, if, if you put this, this little image up, Super Don, I'm reading it as he sent it. So we're not screwing this up. And if you have any questions, reach out to Folium PX and talk to Bobri. But he says, in the spirit of the holidays, there's a special for the RSB show. Audience, buy a pair of both or a pair of either one. <laughs> and get one bottle of any of the three free. PX Immuno Relax. So again, you buy two, get one free. That's what it seems to me. And it ends uh, December 31st at 10 p.m. Pacific time. So into the new year, 1 a.m. Eastern time in January 1st. It has, so you got to act before that. And I don't think that deal has ever gotten that good. Even time, I think he's going to do never better. And it's like amazing. So buy two, get one deal uh, from uh, foliumpx.com. Also, uh, regular uh, prices and discounted prices, sale prices at Nutritional Frontiers. You always get an additional 15% off with the RSB15 code. And of course, we talked as well about the wonderful things happening at Trinity School of Natural Health and much, much more. And there are a lot of deals happening. Please sign up for the newsletter. If you don't mind, it's free. And we don't sell your information to anybody. You can just go to robertscottbell.com and sign up, or you can text RSB to the number 66866, double 66866. And that will get you a prompt on your text to say, enter your email, and then you'll be getting the email alerts, including the special offers and deals that come around from time to time. There is the image you can go. Text my initials RSB to 66866. It's that easy. And with that, uh, Super Don, I want to bring you in for a moment. And, uh, you know, uh, Jonathan, of course, acknowledges you as well and uh, your support of all the freedom uh, activities that we engage in here, including once a week when he joins us. Yes. And 
Uh, I just want to reiterate the connection and link to Emord for VA because there's a, a specific thing they're raising funds for. and They're doing great. Just a little yeah, bit more and put them over the top. In fact, I, I, I dropped the link into uh, the chat when Emord came on. But if you if you like to do the little QR code skinny thingy. Yeah, uh, I, I put that together there. So just give that a scan. That'll take you to the page where you can make the donation. Okay, uh, excellent. Campaign. I guess he's, you know, he's like right on the edge here of yep. uh, of meeting his goal. So yes. anything you can do would be go to a good cause. You want to be part of that. And that's, uh, you know, something you can be go. Yeah, I feel really good about that. <laughs> you know, there's a lot of things you can do. You're like, I don't know if I feel good about that. I feel good about supporting my friend Jonathan Emord. So uh, if you'd like to do that, that'd be great. Now, this article from Midwestern Doctor, I think I sent this to you the other day, uh, and it just caught my eye because it's a it's a primer on medical gaslighting. It says how the institution of medicine covers up the inevitable harms of its unsafe therapeutic toolbox. Now, here you'll go into it, and this is a guy who is a doctor, and he's writing about it, having gone up through medical school and becoming a doctor. So he's got a lot of credibility in, in terms of uh, relating to what's happened here and how he's described it and how it happened. Now, it isn't a primer on pointing your finger at every doctor and spewing hatred and anger. That's not it. And that's not my intent ever as I talk about my disgust about the allopathic monopoly. It, it, these doctors are trapped in a system that is horrific. It's not of their own making, but yes, they indeed are trapped in it very often because the economics are so severe. When you go to medical school, unless you're very independently wealthy, you end up with an incredible amount of debt. And debt is a form of slavery and debt can control you. And if they say, my gosh, you know all that money you've invested in becoming a doctor and you still owe thousands and thousands of dollars? Well, if you don't toe the party line on what we say to do, uh, we can drum you out of the profession and you're still going to owe that debt. You know, think about the control that has over docs. And so they get programmed in. And this is part and, uh, I guess, parcel to that system. It's not a system of healing. It's a system of control. It's a system of poisoning for profit. Even though there are doctors that are skilled and schooled to do good things to save lives, and I acknowledge that, much of the industry is set up to profit off of illness that they, in fact, create, even if the doctors are ignorant of their own let's say, causative uh, contribution to the creation of disease from hepatitis B shots at birth on forward. And so there are other options, many other options, in fact. And as I argue for freedom, I don't argue for the abolition of modern medicine. I argue for the freedom to compete in a marketplace of ideas and, yes, scientific inquiry, discoveries, uh, validations, etc. But there's so much more, and I, my life is a testament to it, and probably yours is too. When you eschewed the drugs and finally went back to the natural world and said, you know what, I got to consider food as medicine, as Hippocrates has referenced thousands of years ago. But what does that mean? Is food actually food? What do I mean by that? Well, in my young upbringing since the 1960s forward, I was eating chemically grown and processed foods, pesticides, herbicides, fungicides, before the era of genetic modification in the way we know it today, heavy metals, plasticizers, all kinds of aberrant additives, including you know endocrine disrupting compounds from plastics or directly via drugs that mimic hormones and disrupt endocrine function. And many of these products that are added, these synthetic chemicals are designed to addict you, addict you. Now, this doesn't mean that you are purely a victim, but it does mean there is some victimization that is present, I'll acknowledge. But the question is, once you realize it, then maybe you can have an opportunity to choose differently, 
if you don't know that it's there and it's causing you problems, how would you even know to make a choice to change what goes into you? Because the doctors themselves will pay lip service to diet. How many doctors are prescribing an organic, non-GMO, non-processed food diet? Granted, there are some, which is more than ever. But by and large, you go into the medical community, you go into a hospital, you see what they're feeding patients. You better bring them food because you're going to be in trouble if you eat that food. And by the way, I'm sorry, you just inspired a thought here. Just, you know, what, probably probably the aha moment of 2023 for me mm-hmm. was, was the other day when I brought up how the Hippocratic Oath used to have a, 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 a paragraph in it that, that charged the doctor to help cure the patient through, the, through a change of diet and mm-hmm. using food. And somewhere along the way, somebody came along and went, oh, we don't need that anymore because now we've there. got drugs, yeah. Yeah. right? Yeah. Well, that, it, that to it, me, I'm, I'm still fat. I was talking to my wife about that last right? night. I was like, hey, you'll never guess what I saw the other day. Fascinating. Fascinating. That to me, that to me yeah. is a major, uh, I mean, come on. Right. You, you, you got to think about that. And, and uh, tell everybody again, maybe you can inspire others to do what you're planning to do in the new year. One of your resolutions. Oh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do the purge just like you did. Mm-hmm. Um, we're just going to get rid of everything in the house and we're going to go completely organic. Um, it's been a long time coming, but yeah, it's, uh, you know, it's just, you think you're, you're 10 feet tall and bulletproof for a good portion of your life. And then suddenly things start happening to go, Oh, maybe, maybe I am not doing it. Things quite right. So yeah, <laughs> you're putting the wrong stuff in. Remember yeah. my wife, before she was my wife, when we were dating when I said, you need to go all organic and we went homeopathic and all of that. She was one that purged immediately. She emptied her cupboards yeah. and gave it away to the fellow students that didn't care. Right. And she replaced it and went organic as I did. And we're alive and f- far healthier than we were at that younger age because of that. So our guest today is perfect for this. Could be time better. And she's been doing this work for a long time. I can't believe I've never met her before. I had to go all the way to South America to meet her. And she's not from South America either. She'll tell you where she's from. But she's got a website, among many, Food Addiction reset.com and anybody that you know or maybe you have that addiction to processed food you're going to want to know about dr joan eiflin she joins us now joan so good to see you hey robert i'm just so glad to see you again feels like a, coming a little, together in re- columbia was, feels like a little reunion now because we had such yes. a special time for a week and you know my kids were there we had a lot of amazing holistic docs there with us as well and you, mm-hmm. you know i found it was interesting because you were the one that none of us really knew because many of us already knew each other. We had, you know, Brian Artis brought us together, uh, uh, Laban Ditchburn, others, and we came together. And then it's like, who's this? Who's this Joan person? And and I remember after the first, uh, uh, the Rape ceremony we went through, which was quite unique, I, it was pretty brutal what you were going through. And I don't know if you're willing to share any of that, the experience, because you you didn't give up. You, you almost did. But it's like, wow, how you are rewarded for not giving up when the, the going gets tough. You know, what I really learned from that week is a whole new range of healing modalities. I have been using unprocessed foods uh, for 28 years. I started into this field in 1996 when I got off of just sugar and flour. And my health profile changed radically and quickly. The brain fog went away, the cravings went away, the bloating went away, the fatigue went away. And that was just the first week. 
And then the next week, the allergies were going and the lifelong sinus infection. But I got into this field in the third week of January 1996 when I realized that my raging, my anger, my critical nature, my anxiety, my depression mm-hmm. were all lifting. And over the next 28 years, I learned that also that dairy is quite mood altering and destructive, as well as uh, gluten, excessive salt, excessive fat, caffeine, food additives. Americans today are eating 73% of their calories in processed food-like substances that the brain is interpreting as recreational drugs. (laughs) Yeah, you're right. It doesn't activate the food processing parts of the brain. And I know you're not exaggerating. Again, I had this journey as well coming off of the food I was raised with from my birth to 24 years of age when I met a homeopathic doctor from Belgium who said, your liver's toxic. You need to eat organic. I'm like, what? What? You know, and I I, I made a leap a little bit, not completely because I understood the role of the liver to detoxify the body. But good Lord, what it did in in even two weeks of starting and I was on homeopathic remedies changed my life. And, you know, I look people would look at me and go, oh, that will never last. Right. You're eating what organic food. Yuck. And, you know, the point is, it wasn't a fad. It isn't a fad. It's a way of life. It's when food used to be just food. It's biochemistry. It's how the body works. And organic is a big issue for sure. But processed is an issue which kind of flies under the radar. Mm-hmm. You know, if you if you think about organic, okay, well, organic tobacco, is that better than inorganic tobacco? For sure. But should you be using tobacco? No. Organic sugar products, when they put that organic label onto processed food products, it's just a scam. Well, it's it, it's trying to get you to buy something that's all not. I can argue is that it's measurably cleaner than the process. Uh, not that I process the wrong word because we're talking about processed organic too. It's cleaner than the uh, what you call inorganic or the chemically grown in process. But again, it's still not food in terms of whole Correct. unprocessed real food that we have lacked yeah. in America for a long time. We're a young country relative to countries around the world where there's a rich history in food. You know, this is why people can go to Italy and eat things they can't eat here. It's like the mm-hmm. food hasn't been adulterated in the same way. It's really yeah. grown the same way and processed in a non-processing way, you know, by hand, the things that they make. Right, exactly. I remember having a really nice Italian friend who uh, said, I only gain weight when I'm in the United States. I eat the same things, but what they don't realize is that like the bread in the United States, it's packed with sugar, fat, salt. The bread in Italy is not. So you can you, you can't just be quote unquote making good choices because you can bring organic whole wheat bread, but the processed food industry has slipped all kinds the, of stuff the sugar there. fat salt yeah. in there. And now, you know, in 1970 you could eat a slice of bread and move on. But by the time they had packed bread with sugar fat salt in the late 1990s. You could eat a slice of bread, and then the cravings would kick in, and you could eat the rest of the loaf. Most of everything that you ate was an addictive thing, including, I remember, Joan, maybe you do, Wonder Bread. That white, spongy stuff that you can can squeeze into a ball, and it would pop back up like it remembered its shape. It's like, is this from NASA? What is this? 
It's, it started with, uh, so even in the 1950s, that we had a lot of processed foods, but in the 1980s, the tobacco industry moved in. Yeah, they, they bought, bought Kraft, Nabisco, and General Foods in three short years. And all you have to do is ask yourself, why would an industry that made its money off of disgusting, destructive cigarettes move into processed foods? Well, they saw an opportunity. They already knew how to addict you by altering tobacco in ways that it wasn't tobacco anymore. What would mm-hmm. they do with the food? And and you have exactly. you know spotlighted this and said, my gosh, you're in trouble. You don't even realize you're addicted to this stuff. And you know, you yeah. really developed some marvelous. Uh, let's say you reveal things that are extraordinary. And I've been in this for a long time. And, and we got to see your presentation there at the uh, Mountains of Hope Healing Retreat. And you've helped many people, and you've established communities of people to help people to get mm-hmm. off of their addiction to processed foods. It's a severe addiction, and we didn't ask for it, and it was given to us without our knowledge. But because it, with cigarettes the tobacco companies were prevented from marketing cigarettes to 10 year old boys with the Joe cool camel cartoon cartoon campaign for cigarettes. But when they got into processed foods, no, no barriers. They took the Marlboro country store addiction business model. And what addiction means is it, it, you have such intense cravings that it overwhelms rational thought. Mm-hmm. Even though I knew that cigarettes were declared to be cancerous by the Surgeon General, I still started smoking when I was 15 or 16 years old because all my peers were smoking. Were you wearing a red, a red leather jacket? You're part of the what, the, the gangs too? <laughs> what was that? No, it's just the parking lot. The lower parking lot is where the cool kids went to smoke. Right. So I smoked and I hung out with the cool kids, even though you and Super Don probably would have been hanging out together. My producer back in the day, you were the cool kid smoking. Yeah. But as I said, I re- remember that uh, as a homeopath now, you know, that I wasn't raised in natural medicine and herbs and homeopathy. There is a reason that God created tobacco. It's a plant that carries nutrition and medicine as a plant organically and unprocessed. Yet that is so far removed from what people are exposed to in the 20th century, what we call tobacco in terms of cigarettes or other uses for it, that it has become just like you're describing with what they did when they bought big food and became big food. They did the same thing they did to tobacco with everything. Mm -hmm. They hired a consultant named Howard Moskowitz, Harvard PhD in experimental psychology and marketing. And he's the one that worked out the method for hiding, putting in the maximum amount of sugar, fat, salt into a processed product before this consumer could detect it. So it's the same thing that they did with tobacco. They put extra nicotine in tobacco. They put extra alcohol into low alcohol drinks. This is the addiction business model. It's the the product formulation where you hide because nobody would ever buy a product if they knew that it was going to create such intense cravings that they could die from it. They could die from lung cancer. They could die from diabetes their stroke or any of the other consequences of processed foods. I have a vague memory that I interviewed Howard Moskowitz on a, a, a something that after he realized what he had done, he was, I don't know, fully repenting, but was aware of some of the, the horror, horrors that uh, were created by that. But anyway, this is something that when people understand psychology to the deepest levels, 
they know how to deep grab well into your psyche and manipulate yeah. your behavior. I mean, completely corrupt it and then addict you to these chemicals. Yes. So it's, it's now there's an additional issue, which is people are eating 73% of their food and processed foods and they're sick because of it. 93% of Americans have a diagnosis of some kind, but now it is so common. It's considered normal and people in order to be safe, not to eat processed foods, they have to be abnormal. And that is why we created our online community. We broadcast 15 hours a day so that people can play our, our what's normal is eating clean. It's all the things that you talk about, Robert. And But if you don't feel normal, your brain will kind of drag you back to what's normal, what's average. So you got to surround yourself with people who are eating healthy, who don't have diagnoses, who aren't on a whole you know, range of unnecessary medications in order to maintain this for a lifetime. Right. That's, that, I don't want people to be blaming themselves. You can't, you can't reasonably expect to live quite radically different, be well, eat well, move, sleep, avoid you know, noxious messaging, you can't expect to do that because you would be radically different from everybody around you for a lifetime. But you can if you can get in an online community and surround yourself with kindness and compassion mm -hmm. and wisdom. Yeah. So, Joan, if we go to foodaddictionreset.com, and Super Don, you can put that up on the on the screen as well. There are various uh, links, including frequently asked questions, a little bit about your history as well. If you want to go into some of that, that's fine. But uh, yeah, there's a join the ARC as well. Is this how they join the community, be part of it? Yes. There's a self-quiz there. And this is really the, sometimes the first window in, that people get into what was done to them. So if you take the self quiz, click on join you, the ARC there, super Don, it'll take us to that page right at the, the top, join the ARC right next to home. There you yeah. go. Join the arc. Um, but if you take the self quiz, you'll be astonished at how many signs of addiction to processed foods you're suffering from. And, and it will be, you know, this is why, you're, you know, anybody might tell you to, to clean up your diet and all these great benefits, but you can't. Mm -hmm. It's because the processed food industry has installed intense cravings into your brain and you need a specific treatment, a specific protocol to get those cravings to stop yeah. and stay stopped. Yeah. So if anybody feels like, my gosh, I have those and I haven't been able to conquer them. And as you said, I don't want you to be a victim. Uh, of that. And I don't even want you to blame yourself. I mean, I'm not saying don't take responsibility for your actions, but a lot of this, you have no earthly idea that this was embedded into you probably when you were a child. And, you and were well, this is this. what's so tragic, Robert. When I saw, this is inside uh, information, inside documentation from the tobacco industry. And they're deliberately, explicitly discussing taking the Marlboro country store addiction business model where, oh, you get coupons on your, not anymore. It's outlawed, outlawed mm. for cigarettes, but allowed for children. Or for junk food and processed food, they have plenty. You you get coupons on your, you, you know, you get 
I remember flying my first time when I was a little kid and they brought the lunch tray and there were three cigarettes on that lunch tray. Wow. So you smoke three cigarettes. Now your brain is dependent on the cigarette for feeling good. So you have cravings. Then you notice that as you buy your first pack of cigarettes, oh, look, there are coupons on the cigarettes. You cut off the coupon, you save coupons, which you're saving coupons by buying more packages of cigarettes. It's encouraging repeat use, which is how the addiction gets established. And then you send in those coupons. Well, what do you get? Oh, you get a Marlboro lighter. You get a Marlboro jacket or belt buckle. Now you are surrounded by triggers. So even if you decide, oh, I want to give up smoking or smoke less, these triggers are prompting, Mm -hmm. they're driving, they're stimulating cravings in your brain by association with the brand. And and that's what they did with children and and Kool-Aid. Joan, I don't believe I have an addictive personality if there is one, right? Uh, no, there that, I, no, there's no such thing as an addictive and I, personality. Yeah, that's why I wanted to bring that up as well. But, yeah. in, in, you know, thinking about I didn't, I wasn't drawn to cigarettes, right? but food, of course. And guess what? Coca-Cola. Mm. I grew up drinking Coca-Cola. And when I made that switch to go organic and come off of these things, I had physical cravings yep. for Coca-Cola. And I yep. remember that you could smell it and it would trigger yep. A, a response in, in the body. Yeah. So, I mean, I, so it wasn't cigarettes. It was Coca-Cola for me. But I, I, I just think that, you know, as far as big food, they know how to manipulate body chemistry. And then they, as you they, point out behaviors. Line up at the neurology graduate schools to hire neurologists. Once they got brain imaging equipment in the late 1990s, and they could put people in MRI machines, and they could feed them different combinations of addictive substances and they could put advertising in front of that. What, what were they watching for? Well, which combination of which uh, produced the greatest flood of cravings? Mm-hmm. So if you, if you would just give your listeners one gift today, it would be, I didn't ask to have these floods of cravings set off in my brain. Nobody ever called me up and said, hey, would you like to have this miserable condition? It, the government stood by and let this happen. And now 1.6 million Americans will die every year from diet-related diseases, which is four times the worst year of COVID. Oh, yeah. yeah nobody's screaming about it. Don't, Except I want to you, back. Robert. Thank yeah, you. Me, I'm screaming about it. I want to go back to the, the addictive personality because that's a common accepted kind of thing. Yes, and and, and yes. you can assess it by saying somebody that goes a little – they go all the way in as it could be described that way. Now, I want you to give us a better definition of why this okay. is wrong or what it, what we're really seeing. What, uh, I'm going to just run through real quick the 11 signs of addiction. So uh, uh, number one is unintended use. You have a plan. You're not going to eat bread today, and by 10 o'clock you've eaten a loaf. Or so you have a plan un- unintended to use. I'm, I'm writing this down so everybody can pay attention as well. And, and you can read more about this because Joan's got all of this on her website and other things. Yep. Unintended use. Go ahead. Uh, failure to cut back. So you want to eat less and you can't. And we know everybody in the United States has this because uh, weight loss is reversed. It start, you start to regain the weight within three years. Ninety some percent of people will start to regain the weight. Third one is uh, time spent. 
So you're driving from fast food place to fast food place and you're leaving your house in the middle of the night to go get stuff. And you're, you're planning. And when you're not actually eating it or getting it, you're planning for it. So it occupies a lot of your headspace. Number four is cravings. And we do have research showing that pay, uh, cravings get worse with BMI. Uh, so uh, that it, over 83% of the U.S. now is is obese, severely obese, or overweight. And I think of BMI, of course, the excess fat water content is containing those toxic chemicals that are not easily processed yes. in the blood out of the body. Yeah. Yes. So you have uh, you have evidence that over eighty percent of Americans are suffering from cravings. What I'm what I'm going through here is the evidence that this is, if you meet six or more of these criteria for alcoholism, that would say you have a severe addiction. This would so I wrote the textbook, Robert. If it's okay, yes, I'm going to pull please. this up. Yeah, yeah. The oh, textbook for processed you, you food recovery. Um, and that's, that is was on one your of website? I'm sorry to interrupt. I just want to make sure we have it on your website. Is there a direct link to it on your website? No, and you can, you can get it on Amazon. Processed on food Amazon. addiction. Processed, processed food, food addiction. addiction. We got to remember to reverse the camera because it's backwards, but I wanted to say it. So even if it's backwards, you can remember processed food addiction. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Thank you. So, all right. so we got that. through number four cravings. Are you and ready then, to read um, five? Five is uh, failure to fulfill roles. So, you know, maybe you can't get down on the, on the floor anymore because you have been given that you didn't do this, but you have given, been given so much excess fat that you can't get, but you're still eating or you are too tired to apply for a promotion, but you're still eating. Number um, seven, let's see, what are we on? Six. Yeah, we just did failure to fulfill roles after craving. So number six. As uh, relationship problems. Processed foods make people irritable. They make them rage. You have fluctuating glucose. And then these reward centers, the pleasure centers in the brain, eventually wear out. So you don't have any method for feeling pleasure. And the brain will, will rationalize it by having you blame other people. For your own irritability, very hard on relationships, or you don't want to talk to somebody because you really want to go get mm-hmm. the chocolate cake that you hid in the laundry room. So it's very hard to focus on a, another person. And then uh, activities given up. You know, you used to go to bowling league, or you used to go to a civic association. You used to do something after work, but now you're so tired and craving. All you want to do is stop at a couple of places for fast food and get home, so you can eat in private. And then you have uh, hazardous use, which people think about hazardous use as being drunk driving. But you can be driving with your elbow while you're shoveling in the, the French fries and fast huh. food. And also, um, once you get to an obese state, now 44% of Americans are now in this condition, which they didn't ask for, and it's not your fault. But obesity uh, puts us off balance. We're more likely to fall. Uh, sometimes we can't see our feet anymore, so we're more likely to trip. But the evidence is is that obese people suffer more accidents, and it's not your fault. Mm. So the next one is um, used in spite of knowledge of consequences. Uh, people are told all the time to uh, improve their diets, and they can't do it. Mm-hmm. The next one is tolerance, and this is shocking. But this happens across the entire population. If you look at the percentage 
of processed foods consumed when tobacco came in, mm-hmm. it was already maybe 50 or 60%. Now it's over 73%. Mm. So you see over the entire population, people are having to eat more and more of these processed foods to get the same effect. So it, yeah, that that it's a, a classic of a drug, right? You, you have a exactly. feedback loop, you need more and more. Now, when I think of tolerance also, I think this, um, someone who eats clean organic food and suddenly tries to eat this processed crap, they will reject it violently. That's called vomiting or have diarrhea. They'll spit it out. They can't tolerate it. So, you know, it's different, but people say that's not healthy. How do you, you can't eat McDonald's and and you have to throw up like, yes, that's a good response to McDonald's. I'm just saying, not picking on McDonald's. You hope you throw up. You hope you spit it out. Yeah. Super. It's just like cigarettes. You know, if you've smoked and then you try to smoke a cigarette and it tastes horrible. You push it beyond there and then you tolerate it and it becomes pleasurable. You know, the the jingle, Winston tastes good like a cigarette should, you know that that is the addiction adjusting Mm -hmm. your sense of taste to feed the addiction. Right. Or Camel for Kids, right? That cartoon Camel? Yeah. How is that an appeal for adults? I just thought that was kind of strange. So tolerance. And And then the last one one is withdrawal. And that's when you're eating for reasons other than hunger, when you're eating because you're tired or because you're angry, or because you're depressed, mm-hmm. or because you're brain fogged, that's withdrawal avoidance. That's not eating, that's using a drug. Yeah, you're having to, again, you're withdrawing from a, and you're like, I gotta, I gotta fulfill that to, 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 so that, that feeling goes away. Exactly. And you're using the, the exactly. thing that you're addicted to, to do that. So again, applying this to any quote unquote addictive substance. It's what's bizarre is what you've done is you've now pointed out that it's the processed food that does the same thing that all of these other addictive substances do. Well, and the thing about processed foods is that different categories of processed foods activate different uh, craving pathways. So uh, sugar activates dopamine and flour activates serotonin and the casomorphine in dairy plus the, the gluteomorphine in gluten and excess of salt all activate the same pathway as opiates. And then excessive fat activates the same pathway as marijuana. So this is what's called polysubstance use in the drug world. When you're doing all those different drugs, it's going to be very hard to treat. Mm-hmm. It's not like you're just using sugar and then if you withdraw from sugar, your other three pleasure pathways will kind of keep you in a good mood. No, all no, they, four they've got them. you coming and going. It's yeah. multiple pathways yeah. and vectors. Foodaddictionreset.com. So why is it, Joan, or how is it, Joan, that your community that you've helped develop, Addiction Reset Community, is succeeding where others are failing? What is everybody else missing and what are you doing through this community? Okay. This is so important. I want people to know there's hope. So over these 28 years, I mean, there are 2,000 studies in the textbook. I have 8,000 studies in my database. So what I piece together is that the driving, the highest driving force in in an addicted brain is not the addiction. It's the drive to fit in, to belong, to be accepted, because for all the years of evolution or creationism, If you belonged in a tribe, you would live. This is the highest level of survival instinct in the human brain. Mm. So why do we broadcast 15 hours a day, 
it's because we want to engage a part of the brain called mirror neurons. This is These are our brain cells that watch what's going on out there and then actually mirror down into the brain uh, the, the same profile of behaviors, beliefs, whatever it is. So who you are around determines your behavior. You know, that saying, we are the sum total of the five people we see the most is absolutely true. Yeah. And now the problem is because we're surrounded by people eating 73% of their food and processed foods, we can't find people to be around to mimic, to follow, to follow a good example, right. to model after. And we put them online. So we broadcast 15 hours a day over Zoom. It's in a block of three or four hours and then a break and then a block. So it's around the clock. So even if you wake up during the night and you have been suffering from night binging, you can flip open your screen and your mirror neurons will kick in and they'll say, oh, 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 no, these people don't eat in the middle of the night and we're going to follow them. You're reflecting positive behaviors. Uh, you know, man, it's, it's so amazing. I, I just think about what you said. I'm like, man, I must have a real low survivability scale because I like <laughs> went a route where very few people went. And I'm like, I don't care. I'm doing it because I feel better when I'm doing it. But again, not no. everybody apparently makes that decision until they have a lot of reflectivity of those supporting them. And that's why I always like to say, become a living example for others, if not for yourself, for your kids or others. And that way you reflect back, not because you say yes. it's better. This is the whole idea of do as I say, not as I do. Yes. When parents ask me, how come your kids still eat organic is because that's all we ever do. It wasn't like when they're not looking, I'm going to sneak something. So yeah. <laughs> there wasn't a mirroring behavior to that regard. And they went, I, get, I told them, you get to learn. Your cells get to communicate with you immediately, like I described. Eat the McDonald's and throw it up. Not because I say to throw it up, because your cells go, this doesn't belong here. And you get to learn Hello. that early on. I had to learn that language much later as an adult. I was I was really felt honored to meet your kids, Robert. And you are a living example of what we're talking about here. Your kids are fabulous. And you're right. You're, they're, they're not eating clean food because you're – beating them over the head. They've watched <laughs> you do it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So exactly. the, the cool it. thing about what Robert's saying is that you don't have to fight with anybody. If you just, if you have your own support group or your brain is satisfied, yes, we're fitting in. They don't eat processed foods. We don't eat processed foods. You're okay. You feel safe. Then everybody else around you has mirror neurons too. You just keep eating clean Fill the house with cues, smell triggers. Oh, there's clean food cooking. Oh, there's clean food available. You're reaching that subconscious survival mm -hmm. brain. You don't have to fight. Well, and eventually I believe, and this is true for me and many others, that the feeling you get not being in that craving or these 11 faces that you describe is so much greater, so much better, so much more awesome. You're like, whoa, I never knew this could be. And you're like, I had no Let's idea. As long as you know. Mm -hmm. So um, if you know that processed foods are making you, uh, you know, crazy, de depression, irritability, anxiety, shame, and you know that they're giving you brain fog, so you can't pay attention and you can't uh, remember things and you can't learn and you can't make good decisions and you can't control. If you know that processed foods are doing that and you know that they're crippling every cell in your body in eight different ways. And that's why mental and emotional and mm -hmm. physical, 
and behavioral issues just kind of fade away. It's not the, not getting off the processed foods alone is not enough because the stress can also cripple cell function. Sure. But our environments are full of kindness and we train, we train. So if any health professional out there is like, I am so tired of telling my clients what to do and then they don't do it. Yeah. It's not that they don't do it. It's that they can't do it because mm. they're being dominated by those cravings. We will train you how to talk to them. We will train you on how to get them to the right level of care. Well, Joan, you were such a gift. I'm so grateful that you were there at that Mountains of Hope Healing Retreat. Uh, you know, just a wonderful soul. That just Ditto. Ditto, Robert. Yeah, we just, we just, it was amazing. The miracles that occur when you step out of your comfort zone, and you definitely did, and you didn't run from it, even though there were times where you're like, I don't know if I can do this. And kudos to you because of all the wonderful things that are happening for, and I think not just benefit to you, but to all of us to know you now. Yeah. And uh, you. Joan, anytime you want to come back on the show, I think this could be Oh, the first thank you. Many. I'd love to yeah. come back and talk about children. Sure. How yeah, to help children. Do and you, what do you do with a newborn uh, a child who's born addicted to yeah. processed foods. And we have a question from Lori. We'll have to address another time because I'm out of time. Yep. But what do you do? All about right. Thank you. Eating? But Joan, yeah, just real quick. I want to let everybody know processedfoodaddiction.com. You can join up, become part of the food addiction reset. And there's recovery advocates there to help you. And as you said, 24 yep. seven practically so that you have the support to get the mirror neurons going and all yep. of this that we just Scratch the surface on, but I think people get a sense of it. And so we'll come back in the new year and talk more and, and even you. about kids and emotionally. Joan, God bless you. Love you so Take much. Care. Thank you for being on board. Bye-bye. Dr. Dr. Joan Eifland on the Robert Scott Bell Show for the first time. These are the kind of things I was going to say, too. When you uh, leave your comfort zone to travel, like the trip I was like, it took it took uh, Laban Ditchburn, Dr. Brian Artis, my wife, and my two kids, five people, five powerful people in my life to say, get your butt down to Columbia, go to the Mountains of Hope Healing Retreat. If you have an opportunity to do so, please take that opportunity. You will be richly rewarded, mountainsofhope.com. Again, robertscabell.com for all the places that you go to for health, freedom, and healing liberty. And I'm grateful for the opportunity to do that. We have a question of the day. We have a homeopathic hit of the day. Super Don, you say which, which one we do first. Playing all of the homeopathic hits every day right here on the Robert Scott Bell Show. Who wants root beer as a homeopathic remedy? Well, you might need it. It's called sarsaparilla. <laughs> yeah. And I want to thank Trinity School of Natural Health, Nutritional Frontiers, and Folium for being supportive and sponsoring uh, all of these things that we do here, including my ability to share with you the homeopathic hit of the day. This one you may have heard of. Some have pronounced it sarsaparilla, if you remember, but sarsaparilla. And uh, check it out. We have a PDF download. I'm going to go through it right now with you so you can catch it later if you're part of the Patreon support group or watch it now while we're here having it uh, go live. This is the remedy also known for urinary complaints and skin conditions. And just so you know, it's not comprehensive because these are five-minute hits, if you will. And we're going to explore sarsaparilla that is often used for urinary complaints and various skin conditions. So if you want to learn more, then you'll go deeper, but this will inspire you to do so. Now, where does this come from? Sarsaparilla, derived from the root of the Smilax ornata plant, traditionally used. There's the picture of it. I love it, Super Don. You make such good pictures of these plants or remedies, wherever they're from. And uh, you can see, in fact, the root of the plant is known to, to make 
you know, root beer, sarsaparilla. Uh, but the Smilex were not a plant traditionally used for purifying and tonic properties. In homeopathy, it's highly dilute and often indicated for urinary and skin disorders. So the key characteristics physically, sarsaparilla is known for effectiveness to treating urinary issues, particularly those involving pain at the end of urination. Uh, it also is indicated for skin conditions such as psoriasis or eczema, especially when there is dry, flaky skin. There's more to it than that, but that's a significant start. When we talk about mental aspects of the remedy, there may be a general state of irritability or discomfort often associated with these physical symptoms being present or treated. Now, primary uses, we reiterate here, urinary complaints, particularly effective for painful urination, especially pain that intensifies at the conclusion of urinating. Uh, skin conditions used in cases of chronic skin diseases such as psoriasis, eczema, and dry flaky skin. And I will say including like uh, like ulcerations along the, the fingernail, things like that can be part of it. And even kidney stones indicated for assisting in the passage of kidney stones with a focus on reducing associated pain. So let's look at the... Uh, uh, attenuations here, 6X to 30C, anywhere in between. These are considered the lower potency. Hey, Superdon, did I not send you my version? I, I'm just looking at this now. I thought I sent you my update on this, and it's not here. I'm looking at the one. This you is the PDF here. I sent you the PDF back that had, because I added another remedy. Anyway, I'll just go through this, and from memory, I'll add the the, the, the remedy if you can. Okay. Uh, later yeah, I don't, I don't know what happened. Yeah, weird. Berberus vulcaris is a great complementary remedy. I've often indicated berberus for uh, urinary tract, bladder issues, in the presence of kidney stones. Petroleum. Yes, petroleum, like petrolatum. Petroleum is useful for dry, cracked skin conditions, complementing sarsaparilla's action in skin disorders. And I added taraxicum. Taraxicum, of course, you know, is a dandelion because it's a liver and kidney tonifier, a tonic. And, of course, we're dealing with a lot of issues, whether it be skin or urinary tract related, relate to both liver and kidneys. So, uh, super not add that in when I get, I don't know what happened there. But anyway, it's there. Uh, cautions, of course, uh, please, please don't self-prescribe for very serious conditions. And if symptoms worsen or persist, please, please consult somebody that can help you like a, a homeopath who knows what he or she is doing. So wrapping this up, concluding sarsaparilla, a valuable homeopathic remedy, particularly effective for treating urinary complaints and various skin conditions. And if you would, please keep tuning in to the Robert Scott Bell Show for these various uh, remedies that we cover in the homeopathic hits segments each and every day. Remember, it's not to replace a doctor should you have or want one. It's to give you uh, more information and education to make fully informed decisions about the care of your health, the health of your loved ones, including your kids, without interference. I believe that is your birthright, and it comes from a place far higher than government. Dare I say it? Yes, God. So thank you uh, for indulging me in another homeopathic hit. Anyway, Ta -da! Ta -da! so I will get you if, if for some reason something happens. Nah, I'll, I'll, I'll have to re-examine. I may have converted okay. the wrong file. So No worries, because I added some things to it. That's all. But yeah. we'll get it. It'll be good. And remember, folks, if you like to see these things, not just read them as a free PDF in the notes, and Superdon has placed the PDFs of the homeopathic hits in a place on the website at robertscottbell.com where you can get it for free. Uh, the patron support crowd, you know who you are. I love you. appreciate you so much. We're going to have our next Zoom AMA on Saturday, this Saturday, this 30th of December, noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific. And you also have access because of your additional support to these five-minute video, approximate video segments. So you can watch these and get a, get a sense of it, not just from reading it. And that's for our Patreon supporters. Thank you, thank you, thank you for that. As little as $4.99 a month, it goes a long way to help us do what we keep the lights on, so to speak. And, you know, as we expand in outreach through different uh, channels, 
uh, including upcoming next year. We're looking to AMP new soon. And uh, now we're on Q streaming. Those of you who want to access Q streaming for your own for $59.99 a month, you can cut the a lot of the cable cords, all the pay channels and things. You get all of them, including pay-per-views for nothing extra. And we're on channel 2495. But if you go to RSB show one, the number one, dot myqstreaming.com or look on the screen right now you can access that sign up and you can actually sign up people in your church to support your church groups i mean it's a great fundraising activity but you'll have access to more programming than you'll know what to do with including again good church programming if that's what you're signing on for there's plenty there so with that i think we're gonna have to do the question of the day in the bonus round is that right that's correct okay and it relates to pain and ozone and different it's a very interesting question so stay tuned if you're on UK Health Radio and you don't get it, just come on over to robertscatbell.com or watch us on Rumble or SoundCloud Audio and various or, ways. Or watch us on QStreaming. QStreaming, right? Actually, yeah. I, I don't know if you can you get QStreaming in the UK. What? That's a good question. What? If you can get the QStreaming in the UK. I don't see why not. I think it's all over, isn't it? Yeah, maybe. I don't know. Yeah. I got to so find out. Yeah. Okay. We'll check that out. All right. Hmm. Which, by the way, on the Q streaming, I'm I have been streaming stuff uh, like overnight and yeah. in the morning, and I'm I'm figuring out how to do that. So mm-hmm. if uh, you're just if you're one yeah, of those people who is, just can't get enough of Robert Scott Bell, and you know there are years and years of pro- I guess we could run twenty four seven for quite a lot of time before we'd have to repeat anything. Yeah, with all the hours of shows we've done, indeed. So that's cool. Anyway, we're going to be back in a moment for those that want to catch us uh, 60 seconds from now. If you're watching or listening later, I think it's like a blip you know, on the audio podcast, but we'll be back with a bonus round with questions and anything else you want to throw at us. Uh, we got you covered here on the Robert Scott Bell Show, where I remind you simply that the power to heal is yours. You know, I, I could get easily distracted. Squirrel. Yeah, you know that kind of thing. So, it's possible that I sent it, but didn't send it. Like, set it to well, send. Well, no, I think it. looking at it now. Yeah, let me just go back here. Sometimes I think, I'll put it up there and run away, and then I didn't hit the no, actual. It send was my, no, it, it was my fault. You did get it. Okay, all right. I, all right. I uh, converted the wrong uh, one. I converted the original one, not gotcha. the edited one. So okay. I can, I'll just fix that real quick. Okay, no problem. So you'll have the additional information. I always like to go through these each day and. Uh, you know, modify things accordingly or add things if need be. And, um, you know, it's a great thing that we get to do this and Super Don makes it possible. He really does. So um, not complaining, just making sure we get it done right. That's all. And uh, there we are. So, and uh, Diane commented, Diane's a patron supporter. And she says, yes, we like to see your homeopathic hits and print them. Thank you, Robert and Super Don. So it is a benefit to hear something. I mean, some people read only visually and they learn they have to see and hear, you know, it's not just reading. So it's nice to have that. And I think it's a, well, I mean, you do a lot to make that happen, Super D. And, and I want to put out that plea again here at the end of the year. If anybody would like to intern with the Robert Scott Bell Show, learn how to do certain things that could end up being a paid position. It could end up being something, a career a ste- stepping stone for you as people have come through the Robert Scott Bell Show and got successful broadcasting, podcasting careers. Uh, please consider reaching out to Super Don, askrsb at gmail.com ask rsb at gmail.com and we'll get you plugged in to help reduce the burden on super D and uh, continue to expand uh, the uh, number of people that can get help by the things that we do here. So thank you for that. Thank you. Yeah. So let's see, there was a, a follow-up and we're not going to read this on the air, but I just want to say yesterday 
we had some interesting and very critical comments that came through. And I was genuinely and sincerely very appreciative of them. Even though they're like, ooh, ow, that could hurt if my if I lead with my ego. This is not about that. And I try to yeah. never do that. Um, and she had a, a nice follow-up. We're not reading. She didn't want us to do that, but she's just like very appreciative of all the things that we do. And so, but the thing is the courage to do that. She says it wasn't even in her nature to do something like that. I'm like, dude, that was awesome. No, totally. Yeah. We have no problem with that. There was yeah. nobody was offended. No, no, it, no. We, we've been doing that. Listen, yeah. you cannot be in talk radio and have a thin skin. Oh yeah. You no, can't. I mean, you can't, not, you just you don't last. survive. Right. Yeah. You don't last. Uh, so it, it's all good. And I looked at that as, uh, as good as a good comment. Yeah. Because, you know, you said yesterday, you're like, are there times where Superdon bites his tongue? And yes, there are. I yes, know of that. course there are. <laughs> and, and, you know, there, there are other people that I don't know if you notice it or not, but there mm -hmm. are other people that kind of give you a hard time mm -hmm. uh, about about uh, stuff like that on yeah. the air. Yeah. One, one person in particular that comes to mind is, is uh, uh, Michael Bolden. Yes, Bolden. Because yes, there will be times where where you will be taught you like you'll be having him on doing the interview stuff like that, and he will stimulate a thought for you, mm -hmm. and then you will you will come out with just like some like a statement, yeah, and then you'll stop, yeah, and he'll be like, <laughs> "Was there a question in there somewhere?" No, I just had, <laughs> you just stimulated. That's what happens. Is wind me up, man. Anyway, so anyway, uh, we know we appreciate that. And, and, I, you know, and I wasn't, I think you'll notice I wasn't so <laughs> pent up today uh, like I was yesterday. Cause honestly, I, 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 though you catch me on a day where I haven't broadcasted in a few days, yeah, that's I'm going to tend to be that. It's going to happen. I, Cause it's like, and a, then, and then there are just there's some days where you're just, you know, whatever. It's just yeah. something that strikes a chord. And uh, that's why they call it talk radio. Well, that's true. But with Jonathan Nemort, I don't have to worry about that. It's I can barely get a word in edgewise with Jonathan, yeah, which is true. fine. And uh, Joan was just so terrific today. So happy to have her on. She really has a perspective on the processed food addiction that I had never heard in the detail with. And she, we only scratched the surface of it, but some great stuff that came out from Joan today, which I really yeah. was grateful for. She's and you know, it's funny that that uh, just it just I don't know I don't know how things happen on this show the yeah. way they do, but. Um, I was just talking, I want to say it was, it was either last night or it was this morning. Cause you know, you, you asked about what we're doing in the new year. Yeah. And my wife was like, so what's the, what's the difference between like organic macaroni cheese and, and regular macaroni cheese? Is it better for you? And I'm like, and so I had that conversation with her, like, I mean, it was like hours ago. Yeah. And then you guys brought that up today. So that's really cool because I'll be able to play this for her mm -hmm. so she can see it. Now, fortunately, I got I got the answer right. So yeah. I, I feel better about playing it yes. uh, for her. But, yeah. yeah, you know, it was a good point that Joan made today. Mm -hmm. And I think it's I think it's a very important, a valid point to make that you can walk into one of these stores and be like, here's some organic Oreo cookies, you know, yes. and people will be like, oh, I'm going to eat like five pounds of the org organic yeah, right. Oreo cookies because it's going to make me healthy. And it's like, no, no, it's still junk food. Yeah. The only difference is, is that it's not going to have pesticides or GMOs in it. Yeah. Fewer it's, synthetics, but it's, it's not, still going to have processed. Yeah. It's still processed. Right. It's just processed organic yeah. ingredients, you know, mm -hmm. it is all it is. So is it technically better? I guess if you're going to, if you're going to snarf down a whole box of cookies, uh, it would be better if they were organic, but you're still going to be dealing with the excess calories, with the sugar, you know, yeah. and the, and the car, Isolated you know, processed fats. carbohydrates yeah. and, yeah. you know, all that stuff. So, 
No, it was a very timely interview with Joan. And for anybody wanting to do better in the new year, because let's face it, that's a lot of the time people wait and they go, I'm going to make that artificial date a reality for me and start January 1. And, and we also talk about the fact that so many people fail at it. And I think part of that is not having the support group. She talked about mirror neurons, right? Mirroring. And so her setup is fascinating because it's mirroring positively all of that so that you have a support community. If you don't have one, you then have one. And it's so worthwhile for success. So if you don't have one, and in your case, Super Don, it'd be like, you know, it could be a community of two, you and your wife's propping each oh, other And up. you know what? I mean, it, it's, and there's accountability. I, that's mm -hmm. always important when you're trying to make a change like that. Right. So the fact that I'm, I'm saying this on the air mm -hmm. and I've said this to you, you know, that then I can be held accountable. It, it's kind of like what we did with the gardening thing, right? <laughs> yes. Where I was like, oh, all right, right, fine. You know, okay, yeah. I'm going to do it. You know, and then I did it. And, mm -hmm. You know, the rest is history. It was pretty awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So anyway, just going back to, to the comment that we got yesterday, no problem. You don't have to feel bad. Um, we, we enjoy those comments. Uh, sometimes we'll have fun with them like we did yesterday. Mm-hmm. Um, but we we appreciate all input, you know. We're not, we're I think we've we've gotten old and wise enough uh, in in what we're doing that we know that that we don't know everything, mm -hmm. you know. Um, that's 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 an acquired skill. <laughs> so it's like, look, hey, you know, if you've got some input, good, bad, good, the bad, and the ugly, we like right. it all. Yeah. No, I just like I said, I appreciate it, and it's not easy because it's not. You know, when you think of critique and criticism, most of the time people don't take it well at all, at all, right? And we don't get a lot of it. So when it comes in, I'm like, we're going to spotlight it. And it really, it really hit the show in a good way, I thought, because it, it kind of, there's that added spark when we get to interact with folks. Now, don't get me wrong. We love hearing that you love Super Don and occasionally me. It's not, not, we're not <laughs> complaining, right? But it's fun, too, also to go, hey, you know this thing that happened? And we can go, oh, assess that. We'll assess it, honestly. We might agree or disagree, or we might be like, we had no idea. But the point is, I'm not going to take it personally. That's not, you know, unless, you know, obviously there are some people that would do it, like a skeptic would do a, try to do a personal attack, but we don't give them much cre credence. But people that really care about the show and what we do and the information, it means a lot to me that you would take the time to say something, even if it were like, oh, I don't want to hurt your feelings. It's okay. I'm a big boy. I can handle it. So anyway, it was great, and I appreciated it very much. Watch the hate mail now come in. I know, right? Okay, right. fine. You, you asked said, for okay, it, right? Open the floodgates, right? That's what you want, right? <laughs> I didn't say I wanted it. No, but it's it's legit. When it comes from the, you know, where it bubbled up, where someone uncomfortable that would never do that did that, that means, hey, there's something there. So there. Anyway, what else is going on? I don't know. You don't know. I'm fixing the PDF. Oh, okay. All right. Oh, you're you're already working. I want to do it now, just because okay, I want so people to forget. be able to download it. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yes. Let's see. What else am I looking at here? Any questions? Comments? Oh, yeah. We were going to do a question of the day, weren't we? Oh, yeah. Here we go. You ready? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Let's try. It. Uh, da da da. Uh, question of the day. Ta da. There you go. That was lame. Sorry. <laughs> We're in bonus time. I didn't feel like playing it. All right. Thanks for trying. All right. <laughs> this is from Lori. Howdy. My friend's wife has serious back issues. She went to Mexico recently and had an ozone treatment. She felt normal again for about two weeks. Then was at the point of debilitation again. 
Returning to the state, she was told that the treatments can cause heart attacks. Is this true? Do you know? Or is it more crap the mainstream docs are spewing? Uh, let's stop there for a moment. And, you know, we went to Mexico, uh, visited a clinic. I don't know how many, was it a year ago now? I don't know how long ago it was. I think it may have been December of last year. Tarted, man, things have just flown by. But we went there and one of the things my wife got was hyperbaric oxygen treatment. And uh, I don't know that it was, let me go back to this. Was this ozone? It might've been ozone as well, but ozone is profound powerful medicine. Yes, you can do too much, just like anything. But the likelihood of causing a heart attack, I, I've not heard of anybody utilizing ozone therapy in Mexico or elsewhere getting a heart attack. Granted, you do too much ozone, it's very, it can be oxidative, right? And that can create inflammation, even though you're trying to address systemic inflammation associated with pain as well. Uh, so there's always an extreme a response if you go to extreme levels, but if you're not, and I can't imagine that you were because of the benefit that, that or in this case, her friend had uh, to it, that that was anywhere near going too far. And she had that benefit. So yeah, I think it's more of the crap that doctors are spewing because they don't know, or they read one thing from the FDA or one of the skeptic uh, articles and they, they believe it like they're reading the Bible. I don't think they read the Bible, but these doctors might read those things like the Bible. Can you go back to full screen, see what else was on, on here? Uh, it's, uh, is there any chance you could write me an answer so I may pass it on to my friends? I'd be much obliged, Lori. So yeah, I will respond as well. This is a, a, a message that was given to us on our website at robertscottbell.com. There's a place where you could submit questions and comments. So in this case, she requested specifically uh, a response. It's, it won't take me long to do that. I'll write a little thing and th that way she can share it with her friends. But also, Lori, if you can turn your friends onto the Robert Scott Bell Show, they'll learn a lot more about these things and not be frightened by doctors inappropriately. From from what I'm reading, um, if it's if it's done done correctly, it can mm -hmm. cause a heart attack. But that goes with anything. Yeah, if it's exactly. done by That's a professional good. who's yeah. done it the correct way, right? You know, if if it's if it's administered, you know, too high, yeah. In, in theory, it could cause a cardiovascular event, but. Sure. You know, like again, that, that goes. That, with, but that's the point that. is saying that, you know, taking a dose of bioactive silver hydrosol is going to turn you blue. Well, if you drank oceans of it, of course, you're drowning in the water. But let's just say you made homemade colloidal silver. Yes, the potential there is Argyria. But used responsibly, properly in the right dosage, no issue, no risk. So, uh, you know, the point the doctors go to that extreme, that's like a doctor saying, don't go to a chiropractor because they're going to break your neck. Right. You know, has that ever happened? Maybe it has, of but just the same thing you said about raw milk. Exactly. I was just going to say that. <laughs> That's right. what I thought of. You so know, it's fear mongering overall. Three, three deaths in 20 years. What, you know, when I read that, I was just like, I, I, I don't even know why anybody would, I don't even know why MedPage Today would even publish the article. Mm hmm. I mean, these are supposed to be doctors and professionals and editors and proofreaders and fact checkers, you know, that, that are all involved in the process of, of this stuff getting published. Mm -hmm. It's like, who in their right mind is going to write an article trying to scare people away from drinking raw milk when, when their own statistics show three deaths in 20 years? I mean, come well, on. It, you it show is. me anything. Mm -hmm. Show me anything that's been approved by the FDA mm -hmm. that has not caused... Uh, more deaths than raw milk and more, more deaths yeah, than 20. I mean, come on. Yeah. 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 
I, I would say that the people that write these things are paid to write them. Yeah. They're, they're lobbyists. They're, they're PR firms. And, and that's how it goes to, so, you know, pr- defend uh, turf, so to speak. These are turf wars. It's like the cur- currently with the, uh, the thing that's going on with the homeopathic eye drops. There's a lot mm-hmm. of people that are not happy about that. Uh, the oh, FDA's, yeah. the FDA's has basically said they're, they're just wanting everybody to pull all the homeopathic eye drops off the shelves now. Yeah, it's making it difficult to get. We still can get them, but it's no. not as easy. So and, you know, here here's a question. I guess I would I would I would ask is, let's say you're in a in a situation where you need your homeopathic eye drops, but mm-hmm. nobody's uh, uh, being allowed to sell them. Yeah. Is there a way that you can make your own? Yes, I believe you can. But you know, now you're talking about let's say bacteriology, right? Mm-hmm. If you make your own, then you store it and you don't preserve it appropriately, right. you could create in- entry into your eye of things that don't belong there. So I would say if you're going to make a homeopathic remedy for the eyes, you can mimic, for instance, there are formulations. Similison does a great job out of Switzerland. That's one of the most popular ones. And you could find those ingredients and make them yourself. It's true. But how would you preserve them? Normally, when we take oral homeopathics, they're, traditionally they've been preserved by alcohol. I don't know about you, but if you ever put alcohol in your eyes, it's not pleasant. Not a good idea. Don't recommend it. Uh, so I would say from a preservation perspective, I would put it in the silver. Right. Exactly. Yeah, and, go. you know, I think that there is, a, a, you know, at least one of the remedies, if I don't if I remember this correctly, but Similison had used uh, a silver sulfate as a preservative agent, interestingly enough, as, you know, a preservative actually in it. So there are ways to do it, but I can't tell you that you have definitively run bacteriology tests on this stuff. So to store it and use it, store it and use it. Whereas the work, the diligence Similison has gone through to make sure that they have a pure product that is not going to be contaminated. And in fact, we had one that it was so old at one point, we saw something growing in it. So it was obvious that that was not to be used, right? Very right. far past its expiration date, because there are issues putting in the eye of sensitivity that you could probably tolerate a little bacteria coming in through your mouth because of the microbiome fighting back in your immune system, et cetera. But in the eye, it's again, it's a bit more delicate uh, to do that. All right. Yeah. Well, it'll be interesting to see where that goes. Yeah. <sighs> so there you go. What else? Any other comments, questions? Uh, yeah. Steve always comes up with a good one. Uh, a balloon popping by surprise could cause a heart attack. Whether it contains ozone or not. Yep. (laughs) Right? Pop. Ooh. Yeah. So there's all kinds of things that can do that. What was Lori saying here about Dr. Batar's clinic? Uh, Ozone treatments three days a week for cancer patients. And her husband's blood went from almost black to the color of tomato soup during the course of his four-week treatment. Yeah. I mean, it's a very beneficial treatment when done right. Of course, just like anything can be done wrong and then it's not good. Uh, But to say it's all bad because it can be bad is just not... (laughs) <laughs> yeah, that's not real communication. It is not meaningful conversation for sure. So anyway, uh, I don't, I got uh, nothing over on Rumble. Oh, well, I got uh, California Condor. Yeah. Said excellent info. Thanks. All right. Thank you, California Condor. Yes. And any other places where they can make comments that we don't normally see? Uh, that would be Rumble. You've got uh, you got you. You have our our, our chat room on Robert Scott. I Bell. got yeah. Uh, Michael Bolden was throwing some good comments in there earlier, which we referenced, and then it's been quiet since. 
Uh, oh, I know. I asked Shar. Shar put something up about, I've seen this floating around, terms of agreement for T-Mobile that is put out, that they're going to fine people for talking about things they don't like. And I don't know. I need that legitimized. I need that third party verified because that's just bizarre. I'm not saying it's not possible, but um, T-Mobile apparently putting out some kind of addendum to their agreement. If you use them, if they don't like what you're sharing in some way, they're going to levy a fine against you. I can't imagine how they could do that, but I guess you can agree to anything. So that's something I, I, I where is this being seen? Is this something that's being shared on Facebook or I don't know. I, again, I've seen reference to it, but I haven't validated. So I didn't want to go live with it, but it's apparently the terms of agreement, uh, document or whatever the T-Mobile puts out, there's an addendum that they will fine you for talking about certain things that are going against certain narratives. Again, I don't know if it's legit. Maybe. I, I don't know. So if it's something we can find out, validate or not, I would All be curious All right, let's too. see here. What do we got here? All right, so it looks like there's a terms of service change. Find it, uh, T-Mobile has quietly updated the terms of service to include fines for content they don't agree with. Um, okay. This is absolutely false, it says here. Okay. I'm going to copy and paste it. I surely doubt it's true. It doesn't sound right to me. It sounds how, how weird you know? and bizarre, but, you know, weird things happen nowadays, so I don't completely dismiss it. I just don't know. Yeah. Let's see here. It's not for T-Mobile for Reddit. T-Mobile website, somebody searched it, couldn't find anything, decided, to, okay, so this person called and spoke to a representative, told about I read, cannot verify. She researched non-compliance files, and she told me that T-Mobile has not made a decision about this policy. I clarified so they're actually considering it? Maybe. I don't know. Like I said, this okay. is all secondhand stuff, right? Right. Um, let's see here. Da, 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 da. I just say that this is only for merchandisers and it's coming from the government. Not sure if that's true. All <laughs> right. Well, I mean, I'll, I'll look a little more, more to dig, it. It, dig up on that one. Yeah. Yeah. I will see what I can find on that. That's new to me. All right. Tomorrow on the show, Tom Woods is back. Uh, He's always a blast to have on board. Uh, And then we have in hour two, Jeremy Slate. Uh, Let's see. Create your own life podcast. And uh, Jeremy and his wife, Brielle, co-founded Command Your Brand, a new media public relations agency. So it could be good, lively discussions tomorrow. Yeah. And then Happy New Year. Well, no, not then yet. The AMA. Well, okay. I mean, as far as the show goes. Yes, then happy. Yes, yeah, the AMA. That that's the uh, the that's the elite uh, wing of the Robert Scott Bell show. <laughs> the elite wing. The elite. The, the elitists. AMA. The elitists will will get together on on Saturday. What is that? No, these. I'm are, just joking. You're so mean. For <clears throat> happen. Hey, I'm there too. So I'd be talking about myself. Okay. All right. So that's, that's right. Uh, noon Pacific. No, noon Eastern, nine Pacific. Uh, and a couple hours of, of fun and frivolity and questions and answers. And, and giving stuff away. What are we giving away, away on Saturday? Um, boy, do I have some stuff to give away. Uh, you know, obviously the usual silver and stuff. Let me see. Hold on. I'm walking over here. Okay. Stuff. He's walking over there. Yeah. Okay. I just, I thought, why not? Let's give people a little teaser. Yeah. What they can expect. So much stuff, I don't know what to do. Uh, well, what do you have that's different that we don't normally give away? Um, 
Cardio Miracle. Okay. They don't always give away Cardio Miracle, so that's huge. All right. Um, for sure. And I, I, I don't know. I got I got to look at all the stuff I have. So okay. Um, but yeah, there'll be some stuff. Good all stuff right. to be giving away. I don't so know we'll if prob- I have any T-shirts or sweatshirts or something, but I'll have to look at that too. Four or five different things. Yeah. I, I would love to get some new swag with the new logo that we're using, like the one behind you there. We need to order some up. Yeah. Yeah. All right. We'll put that on the list of stuff to, to get. Something Maybe we can do some year. last minute. We'll look at the budget and see if we got last minute money to to spend on uh, some swag to give away or something. Some shirts, t-shirts, something yeah. like that. Get a prototype or something like that, you know? Yeah. Yeah, we could do that. Thanks again to Joan Eiflin. Thanks to Jonathan E. Mord. Thanks to all y'all for being here and making the show go. And uh, if you got any other suggestions for the new year, please send them in at robertscabell.com or uh, you can call and leave a message at 866-939-2355, 866-939-BELL. And where else? Sign up for the newsletter, become a patron supporter, and join us on the Zoom on Saturday. And uh, we'll be cranking it up in the new year. Uh, we're not taking apparently extra days off. It's just New Year's Day. Just so New Year's Day. This yeah. Tuesday, we'll be back and hit the ground running. I'm hoping we have a lighter weekend in terms of <laughs> intensity. Cause, it, yeah, know, it should. It definitely Christmas will not be. Intense. I finally got. I finally got like dishes washed yesterday. <laughs> oh I did yeah, seriously. I'm wearing. Yeah. I'm wearing a back brace right now, or wow. not a brace, but a you know a belt, whatever mm-hmm. the thing is, one of those copper fit things. You know. Yeah. Um. I yeah I I was wrapping presents. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was hardcore wrapping presents. Yeah, I had a lot of presents to wrap, but uh, and I did them by you know myself. But um, just that the whole leaning over and I don't know. Yeah, it uh, did a number on me, so I'm still recovering from from that. I don't know how I, Santa does it. I'm recovering from uh, organic cheesecake for my son's birthday yesterday. That's a good oh, recovery, though. It's so good. Yeah. Oh my gosh, it's so good. And we had some. Uh, raspberry sauce that my wife made from the organic raspberries we grew out back because we had some in, and it was in the freezer from thanksgiving and it was just thawed out it was so good mm. that's beautiful raspberry sauce on top of the cheesecake good lord nice yeah nice stuff not processed it was all organic clean food so just, just saying yeah okay in case joan is listening oh <laughs> <laughs> all right man all right well, you guys have a, a good afternoon. Appreciate you hanging out with us. We'll be back tomorrow. Until then, have yourself a wonderful day. Is it hasta mañana? Mañana. 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 Love you guys. Thank you. <laughs>